Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning. The weekend is nearly upon us, gentlemen. We welcome you always, as always, to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Casey, Reed, Jacob, no Elliot today. He's on his way to Milwaukee. How are we doing today, boys? Doing great, Tom. How are you? I'm doing all right. What's happening? Uh, You ready for a big weekend? Beautiful sunny day here in Hamilton, Ohio. Beautiful sunny day. You know, some of us aren't having a a beautiful morning. Bad boy Casey over here who they say you're lumped into the people you hang around. Casey just keeps getting in trouble and I got to stop hanging out with him. What happened? Give me a full report. Casey, you want to tell you want to tell the good people. Casey, of the show what, happened what happened here? Is Alex watching? Have are we breaking news to Alex? No, I uh, I actually left uh, just a second ago to break the news to Alex. Um, I got a speeding ticket this morning. Oh, oh no! Not 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 good. How fast? Let's. Uh, 80 and a 65. Let's put some positive spin oh, on this. I've been Tom. there. I've been there. Been there many 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 times. Unfortunately, spin zone. Casey is such a great employee that he's trying to get here as fast as possible. That's the spin zone. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. I was trying to get here at a reasonable time, get this show up and off the ground. I mean, it always gets up and off the ground at some capacity. but <laughs> The plane always flies. <laughs> you know, where, where did you get the ticket? Were you on a major – obviously, you were on a, a, a major highway if that was the speed limit. 129. One right out here. Yeah, yep, one right yep. out here. I've been pulled over there. Gotten a ticket there. Coming into Hamilton? Yeah. Well, that's just because you're trying to get to work so so fast, Tom. You're just that's how that's how good of an employee. That's how happy you are to get to Hamilton. Trying to get here as fast as possible. And you know, I normally get here, so I'm leaving my house around seven every morning, and I'll make a stop at UDF right there up on the corner of Ward's Corner and uh, 275. Sure. And then make my way over. Uh, you know, most days traffic's not too bad for a city of our size. Uh, the traffic is, is really very, very good. Very good. You'll get into some stops every mm-hmm. now and again. I know there are a lot of people that uh, on 75, that, that, that might be the worst road uh, in our area. 75? 75. Once or you sep- start going towards downtown. Yeah, the Lachlan split and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It gets so really it's tough. getting a little yep. backed up there. I, I, I avoid that highway at all costs. Casey, I'm sorry. That's okay. Have you uh, told your bride that already? Yes, I. Uh, what was right. her reaction? Pissed. <laughs> Not Why? happy. I'm just cause. I've never just... understood that. I mean, my wife would get mad at me if I got a speeding ticket. Why? Why are you gonna get mad about it? I mean, what? I mean, look. I know that you get points and you get all that kind of stuff, and it might affect your insurance. And yes, that can be a big deal. But I mean, come on. At the end of the day, why are you gonna get mad at somebody for getting a speeding ticket? I mean, there are things to get mad about. A speeding ticket, to me, ain't one of them. Well, just not to get too too deep into the woods, it's just money. It's a money thing. Just, you know, can't be having too many of those random... Uh, Breaking news. Alexandria is in the chat. Oh, is she? Breaking oh, no. news. Let me put on these borrowed glasses. She's mad because... She says, I am going to be out of work here shortly because of my knee surgery. Uh, again, what does that have to do with her being mad? 
I mean, it's not like now unless you've got some major issues we don't know about. You're not getting your license taken away, right? No, I'll I'll just spell it out. It's just it's, tight on money. Right, it's just We're an just expenditure that you money. didn't that you didn't have in the budget already. Yeah. We've all been there. We've all been there. You know, your car breaks down or something like that. Oh well, that's like, a oh, different gosh. animal. I mean, what is this ticket gonna be? What fifty bucks? I uh, yeah, I imagine. Okay, something. I mean, well, look, I'm not dismissing fifty bucks, but I mean, okay. All right. People want to get worked <laughs> up about it. Get worked up about it and do what you got to do. Um, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern time. You can join us. Jump on YouTube. Chatterbox Sports page. I mean, our growth is just extraordinary. Not only on this show, but obviously on Chatterbox Reds, on Box Lunch. Um, not too picky. It's amazing. And we thank every one of you. And, and, and sometimes I forget to thank you. And I sincerely say thank you from all of us here at Chatterbox Sports. If you'd like to join us in podcast form where our growth is extraordinary, uh, just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Look, let's start with the straight facts about yesterday's game. Yes, the Reds win again. This time, 5-4 in 10 innings. And they sweep the Washington Nationals in a four-game series. The team has won five straight games overall. We talked yesterday about it seems like a different guy is helping the team win every night. Yesterday, we talked about the return of Tony Santion, right? Right. Yeah. Right? All right. Guy's been on the 60-day injured list, and he is thrown right in the fire with a big league club. What's he do? Pitches a scoreless bottom of the ninth inning in a tie game. Red score in the 10th. They get the win. He gets a win. Joey Votto, a huge game-tying single in the 8th. Senzel, a two-run bomb in the 10th. But that's not what I find to be truly amazing about yesterday's game. Four players on this team yesterday. And I used to talk about this all the time when I was doing games. When you'd watch Javier Baez. You'd watch Chris Bryant. And I'm picking those two guys because the Cubs had good teams. They were young players. They were players the manager at the time, Joe Madden, would ask them to go do things that a lot of managers or organizations don't ask players to do. And most of the time, I think players are pretty open-minded to it. But for some reason, most teams feel like, eh, guy's young. I'm going to put him at one spot. Leave him there, let him do his thing, and let him be comfortable. Yesterday for the Reds, four players played two different positions during the game, okay? Another three different positions, okay, uh, played one player and moved four times in the game. That was Senzel. Then Spencer Steer in the game yesterday played left field, first base, third base, and then first base again. It is truly amazing to watch the pieces getting moved around on this team. They use seven different relievers, covering seven innings behind starter Brandon Williamson. They win their 49th game of the season, and here we are on July the 7th. Need we be reminded, the team did not win its 49th game last year until the third week of August, when it nearly had 80 losses on the season. Cincinnati leads the National League Central Division by two games, and tonight, boys and girls, things get serious. 
right behind them, the Brewers, who take care of the lowly Cubs, by the way, yesterday, in another win. So it sets the stage for tonight's three-game showdown in Milwaukee. What a pitching matchup tonight. The guy who's become the Reds' ace, Andrew Abbott, he gets the ball against two-time All-Star and former Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns. First pitch set for 8-10. Long-time Major League catcher and TV analyst for the Milwaukee Brewers, Bill Schroeder, will join us at 11 o'clock Eastern time today to preview the Brew Crew, kind of what's going on with them, and talk about this series. I can promise you, it will be packed to the brim tonight in Milwaukee. They've got great baseball fans. They've got the retractable dome. You don't have to worry about the weather. It is going to be rocking in that joint tonight. And I've always said they play the best music of any ballpark by far in really? baseball. Really? They do. Because they're smart enough to figure out. And look, I got nothing against rap. Some of it I don't like the lyrics, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But... You have to think about, and I, every ballpark I'd go to, I would talk to, because you're on the same level most of the time, where the TV booths are, radio booths are, with the guy or woman who's running the scoreboard. Mm -hmm. And those are the people responsible for the music that is played during the game. Now, you got to have a good sound system. People got to be able to hear it. That's a qualm I have with Great American Ballpark. I, I don't think the acoustics in there are very good. Okay. Right? Milwaukee, they're great. But you have, to, you have to think about, and Pittsburgh is another place, does a great job with this. Um, who are the people that are buying the tickets? Families. And they tend to be people who are a little older. Correct. Right? Or Correct. really, really young. So you start playing things like shout. You know, you make me want to shout, right? Oh, that whole great thing. Great wedding like, music. Stuff like, or or uh, shake it up, baby. That, right? Yeah. All right. That's the stuff that gets fans up on their feet, gets them moving around and dancing and gets a buzz in the place. You start playing Post Malone, it ain't happening. Three quarters of the people in the stands are not, they don't even know who the dude is. They've never heard, and, and that's not disparaging him because mm -hmm. he's a very popular artist. In fact, I think he's in town Sunday night. He is. Right? So that's what I'm saying. And in Milwaukee, they got it going on. Uh, elsewhere in baseball, Arizona star rookie. Corbin Carroll left a game last night for the second time in a little more than a week with a shoulder injury. He has a history of shoulder problems. He will undergo an MRI today in Phoenix. It's really a shame because Carroll voted to play in next week's All-Star game in Seattle. That happens to be his hometown. How cool would that be? Hopefully, he can find a way to at least be there and get introduced. The D-backs, by the way, they're leaking oil. Losers of four in a row. Their lead in the NL West is down to a half game over the Dodgers. And I have to say, I don't know how the Dodgers are doing it. Because every single day, they got a guy going down with an injury. Their entire starting rotation from the beginning yeah. of the year is out. Think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, they just lose Kershaw the other day. They get Daniel Hudson back after missing a year with the knee injury and surgery. He comes back a week ago. Pitches three scoreless innings last night, has to leave the game, and now he's on the injured list. I mean, they just keep dropping like flies, and they're a half game out of first place. I know they're spending a ton of money, but a lot of those guys are spending a ton of money on are hurt. So they're bringing up all these young guys, and they're getting it done. 
The MLB draft begins this weekend in Seattle. The Reds have the seventh overall pick. They get an additional choice in what's called the competitive balance round. So in total, they will have three picks of the first 43 overall. 18 of the last 22 Reds picks have been college players. A lot of debate about that. We were talking about that here in the studio before the show. We'll get into that today. Football news. Everybody knows it became official, what, five days ago. The UC Bearcats are officially now in the Big 12 Conference. Apparently, the media that follows the Big 12, they're not believing in the Cats. They think it's going to be a rough maiden voyage in football. UC was picked to finish 13th out of 14 teams in the league yesterday in the media poll. Now, you know, how much stock you put in that? Not much. The only team behind them is West Virginia. Texas is picked number one, followed by Kansas State, who won the Big 12 championship game last year over TCU. Number three is Oklahoma. Number four, Texas Tech. Number five, the Horned Frogs of TCU. The Bearcats' first conference game comes in week four, and that is going to be a big one at Nippert Stadium against Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. You guys don't even know that musical, do you? Is it called Oklahoma, Tom? Why it's called Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, we know that Oklahoma, Tom. Giveaway. Can you name me one? Can you name me one person's name from that musical? No. I mean, one of the no. Okay. No, nope. Casey. No. You didn't even have to come over here, Tom. <laughs> no chance. I was the most likely <laughs> chance for that to happen. Yeah, I was and in I that musical. No. I was no. in that musical once. And at Anderson High. No, I, well, Anderson and Turpin combined for the musicals. That was my junior year. Had the lead my senior year. And guys and dolls. Forest Hills. That's right. Forest Hills. Uh, anyway, this year, talking about UC football. Remember last year, we had for one game over there on Short Vine, what is called the Bearcat Bash. We kind of took a flyer on it around here, right? Mm -hmm. Trace Fowler and you and everybody here was a part of that thing. Where it's like a college game day experience. We have a big stage. We have host. We have our replay boards. Sure. It's exactly like ESPN or Fox with their high noon kickoff coming into town. Now, there's not a lot of room around Nippert Stadium for tailgating. But on Short Vine, for some of you a little older, Short Vine, it's where Bogarts is and lots sure. of other businesses there. So we got all the permits last year. Walk me through this, Reed. Yep. Uh, we were able to serve beer. Yep. Right. And all of a sudden, we had tens of thousands of people for the one time we did it. Showed up. It was a beautiful day, right? Yep, we had great weather. It great was weather. Homecoming. So it was, it was a perfect storm of events, and it was an incredible event, so much so that we're going to continue the bash on Short Vine this season with uh, every home game. So well, we're that's, really excited that's about what that. I was getting to, is we're going to do it every single UC home game this year. So look. Uh, you're in the Big 12. You're going to have all these really cool games, starting with Oklahoma coming in, as I mentioned, that first Big 12 game. But every UC home game, and I think they start their season at home against Eastern Kentucky, mm -hmm. I believe. That's when it starts. So come on down. We'll tell you more about it as we get closer and closer. But the bottom line is that is where it is, and it is really cool to go to. I mean, the scene last year. We even got coverage on all the local TV stations about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was, Tom, it was an absolutely incredible event. We could not believe 
the success that we had, how many people came out and truly enjoyed themselves. And we're, we're really excited. It A lot of work goes into it. Trace was working a day and night for weeks leading up to that, getting all the permits, making it, making sure that it was able to go off legally. And now we've got that under our belt. We've got a little bit of experience that hopefully it's a smoother ship sailing this year, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Me and me and Casey worked together. We worked a beer booth selling okay. tickets, had to turn away a lot of fake IDs. What, did we sell something like nearly $30,000 worth of beer? Something along those lines. Casey, bad boy Casey was stuffed when they were giving him $20 bills was stuffing them in his pocket. So <laughs> did you make tip money on that Casey? I think we did. Yeah, we made we made a little bit of money. And I know you declared that with the IRS. (laughs) Casey already has some legal issues. I don't want to start walking down the road of of anything else. Might need to make some uh, amendments here to my uh, sheriff. (laughs) Sheriff Jones going to be knocking on our door here soon. A little late now. A little late. Yeah. uh, Evan wants to know where's Elliot. I said at the get go. Elliot told us yesterday that he was going to Milwaukee today. Trace is going to the game tonight. Yeah, he's taking – they're actually – it's funny enough. So, Trace said that he was going to go to Milwaukee, take his take his family there, go see Magic Dragons. You know the band, Tom. Um, he was going to go see them in Milwaukee and go to the game. Elliot then also said that he's doing the exact same thing. So, I'm like, are they are they going together? Did they right. coordinate this right. together? No, they just had the exact same idea. Let's go watch the Reds play in Milwaukee for what could be the biggest regular season the Reds have played in nearly a decade. Yep. And then also go see a family-friendly band in the Imagine Dragons. So, fun little trip for both of them. What is White Sammy Sosa? That's what he goes by. Yes. What is he saying Tom is a snitch? What am I a snitch about? You are snitching that we are, uh, that we're lying about our tax, our tax returns. The IRS is good. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, let's get to the Reds for a second. I, you know, Reed, you're a baseball guy. Jake, you're a big baseball fan. Casey, I give you all the credit in the world. Uh, you've never been a baseball guy, and you've been to more games than anybody in this room. I, Jacob, I don't know. Besides, he, he had college. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe Jake's past. I'm at 16. Where yeah, are you? He, he, I'm at like nine or ten. Okay, all right. So, um, but you know, I, I mean, I really love this uh, this thing. And there are a lot of things going on with the Reds to love. But I love this thing about versatility. I have always been a huge fan of this. I mean, whether it's on a daily basis, okay, in a normal nine in a game. Yesterday it went 10. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on. David Bell gave up his DH during the game last night, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, were, there, were a lot of, there were a lot going on. You had the rain delay um, where Brandon Williamson gets warmed up. He has to sit for, I think it was an hour and 43 minutes, I think I read was a time of the delay. Then he has to warm back up again. Uh, he goes three innings. Um, and, and you can get into that whole debate about whether he should have been taken out after three innings or not. Uh, Evan is saying Brandon Williamson is back. Uh, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Um, but, and by the way, what was his deal with Charlie Goldsmith? Did you hear this thing? I didn't see this. Fill me in. Explain there to me. There like was basically fine. he got all bent out of shape. The oh, Charlie Goldsmith wrote something about him pitching in the rain. That oh, story. Oh yeah, yeah, we, we did see this. We did see this. Yeah, yeah, we talked about well, this. Last well, week. Tell me about more of this. So if you because remember- I, I mean I I heard about it. Buddy of mine asked me about it, and I'm like I got to look into this because uh, I didn't like the sound of it, but I don't want to form an opinion on it until I know more. Charlie I- Goldsmith is on his game. 
Yeah, so Charlie put out a post when they were playing in Baltimore. You remember one of the games there was – I've got the post right here. Just give me a minute. Yeah, um, little context. It was raining cats and dogs out there, pouring rain. People were tweeting about it. I saw the game. I was in Baltimore. I was there in the pouring rain. I was there in Annapolis last week. Okay. People couldn't believe that they were playing the game. Charlie put out some tweet, and Casey will have it up here in a second, basically saying – um, just point blank, what what was going on with Brandon Williamson saying that he walked so many people, he didn't have control, didn't have control, yada yada yada. Well, Brandon Williamson during the rain delay tweeted this out at Charlie Goldsmith during the rain delay. During the rain delay. During the rain delay. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was pissing rain. You would have misspelled six words in this tweet if you're on the bump in that. Which is. It's funny. It's a funny tweet. I I, I said I like, last I like week it. that I disagreed. I don't, I don't need players mouthing off at or, or tweeting back, defending themselves, whatever you want to call it. In the middle of a game. During That's, the game, yeah. towards beat reporters. I don't need that, but objectively a funny tweet. My issue is that it was in the middle of a game. <laughs> sure. If it wasn't during the rain delay, I don't know that I'd really have a problem. So, Tom, now that you've yeah. seen the tweet, your thoughts, as Paul would say. I don't know what's happened since then. You said he's taken it down since then? It yeah. was deleted pretty yes. quickly. Pretty quickly, but I mean, once screenshot once enough people, yeah, once once one person sees something controversial, they're going to screenshot it, make sure that it lives on in infamy forever. Okay. Or famy, whatever you want to say. All right. I, 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 I'm a, I will leave it alone for the time being. I have some initial thoughts about it, but I'm I'm just going to exercise a little bit of patience. Understand that there is youth involved here. So I will. What's the word they say? What's the word I'm missing? Abstain. Thank you. See, that's Alabama grad, OU grad. Not a grad yet. Not a grad grad yet. Well, Alabama. Okay, we got to get that. Alabama. Shoot. Tom, do do you think that players are right in defending themselves against beat reporters at times? I mean, I think what you do is I've always said. Here's the deal. Okay, here's the deal. And 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 look, there are there are people out there, and we see this in the chat. That when you say something about players, the hometown players, mm-hmm. okay, or the hometown team, they don't like, they get extremely defensive, they think you're a hater. It's like the nonsense with Joey Votto and my dad or me. I mean, it's just complete and utter nonsense. You can have a difference of opinion with somebody, and it doesn't mean you are a hater, okay? Here's the thing. If I ever said something, and Bob Trumpy talked about this when he was on the show last week, when he got into the quote-unquote media business, when he said what he said in that commentary, and just to refresh your memory, he really had a radio commentary that was scathing on Paul Brown. Mm -hmm. Okay, If you're going to do that, and the same held true for me, and I think it holds true for most people, Paul Doherty has talked about this regularly. If you're going to go down and say something about somebody while you're on the air. The next day, you have to go down on the field or in the clubhouse to make yourself at least available for that person who may disagree that you said it about to give them a chance to say something, okay, and talk to you about it, Right. all right, which is a man-to-man way to handle things. Two of the guys that come to mind through the years, they look you right in the eye. Okay, when I was out in Arizona, Luis Gonzalez. 
I mean, he and I had it out one time like nobody's business. But I admired the fact that he didn't like what I said. He came to me about it. We talked about it. On we went. Scott Rowland was great at that. Okay? If he didn't like something maybe you said about his teammate, because you didn't ever say anything bad about Scott Rowland. Mm -hmm. Okay? Tom Browning was great at it. God rest his soul. Eric Davis was phenomenal. And there are others. Most of the time, guys will do things in the past where if you come down there, instead of just talking to you man-to-man about it, they are going to, in front of everybody in the clubhouse, start to make a big deal out of it, sure. right? Like they're grandstanding, sure. right? Because they don't want to have the one-on-one. But they want all their buddies to know that, hey, you know, I took on Paul Doherty, right? Yeah. Okay, well, that happens in this day and age. This is the kind of thing that we just put up that goes on. And there are other players that have done this before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if I'm Brandon Williamson, I would take this opportunity, and he doesn't need to hear my advice. I mean, he'd look at me and say, are you kidding me? You're the dope that said what you said back in August of 2020. Why would I ever listen to anything that you said? Well, I would make the argument, maybe you listen to something that I've said because I've done something really stupid and tried to learn and grow from it. So that's all you can do, right? right. right. Try to grow from something. Learn from the experience, Okay. I I would just suggest to him, hey, Brandon, listen, next time something like that comes up, number one, don't ever do it during the game. Right. Even if it's in a rain delay. Three hour rain delay. Or even if you're taken out of the game in the sixth inning or the fourth inning and you had a bad game and you're already out of the game. Take a deep breath. If you don't like what the guy wrote, and he has every right in the world to feel that way. Because, look, guys can say, I don't care what people say about me in the media. Anybody who's ever had their name dragged through the media or social media, I I don't care who you are. It hurts. It hurts. It it does hurt. It stings. When When they're either critiquing your performance, critiquing your character, whatever it might be. Okay, fine. I would just suggest to Brandon Williamson, listen, if something like that happens the next time, it might be Jason Williams as a columnist. It might be, it won't be anybody on the radio or TV, but if it's somebody, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. right? You, you want to you uh, talk with them and have a, a, some kind of conversation about them or with them about what they wrote or said? Just, you know, you see him the next day, Charlie's always going to show up. You know, just grab him the next day, say, Charlie, are you kidding? I feel like that. It's yeah. pouring down rain, man. I mean, I barely get a grip on the ball. How would you type? If you're sitting there in the pouring rain, you know, you might misspell six words. Just say it to him. Right. And I can promise you what's going to happen is Charlie Goldsmith will then probably say to himself, and I don't want to speak for him, but for me, if a guy brings it up and he does it in a man-to-man, face-to-face sort of way, not trying to grandstand, I'm going to give that guy the benefit of the doubt the next time something comes up. It's only natural human nature, Right. No doubt. You, you, you've gained a new level of respect for them, not necessarily as a pitcher in this case, but as a person in this case. And by all accounts, Brandon Williamson's a good dude. Right? I haven't heard anything. Right. And nothing to the contrary. Right. Okay, I've rambled on and on. Getting back to the, uh, getting back to the um, uh, versatility thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there can't be, and you guys follow it a lot more closely than I do, because some of you have gambling interest in all this. (laughs) No names, no names. Um, 
Is there a team in baseball right now that has more versatility on its roster than the Cincinnati Reds? Jacob, you, you watch it. You, I, you live and die by this stuff. I would argue certainly not. I mean, you've, you've seen what Nick Senzel has been able to do defensively at third base this year. I don't know that anyone would argue that he's our best defensive third baseman. And then he's making plays like that in the outfield, running over his shoulder, jumping into the wall catches to save runs. No, no one has that kind of versatility. Spencer Steer's playing three different positions four different times last night in a game that comes down to the wire. Like, these aren't blowouts where we're moving guys around and trying them in new right. places. They're playing in crucial situations and playing very well. I mean, that, that, that's, what, that's what makes this team so great. That's what makes this young talent so great. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz hasn't played much time at third base, and he's playing there almost every day. Like, it's, it's exciting to watch, and that's what gives us the ability to play these guys almost every night and move them around. What is the number one thing that the Reds have over everyone in the NL Central, over most teams in the National League? And that is their youth, right? It is youth yep. athleticism, and they're using it to their best ability right now. First off, they're running the bases like banshees. That's using athleticism to the best ability you have. And then you're saying, hey, guys, we need you to play multiple positions. We need you to be as valuable as possible. We do that right here at Chatterbox Sports every day. Trace, often we, we ask him, like, hey, what, what can we do to, to be more useful around here? He's like, we need you to do everything a little bit, right? Yep. That's how you become, make an organization better. And that's what the Cincinnati Reds are doing. Every day you show up, how can I make this team better? Hey, you got to play in left field today. Hey, you got to play third base today. And it's, it's the reason, it's part of the reason why the Reds are winning. They are so young, so athletic, so versatile that – they can constantly fill holes in their lineup because you're asking dudes to play position a different position every single day. Well, I mean, I think that's the key, and I said it in the monologue, is that, look, the manager has a lot of leverage and weight with young players that they don't necessarily have once a guy becomes an established everyday player. And I'm talking about a legitimate everyday player. McLean's going to be an everyday player. De La Cruz is going to be an everyday player. Steer is going to be an everyday player. Moving forward in their major league careers, good Lord willing, they stay healthy. If you were to just play, let's say, Matt McLean at short and Ellie De La Cruz at third, every day once they got up here, and you hear a lot of times baseball guys and baseball people and scouts and executives say, you know, I want the guy to be comfortable. I don't want to move in positions. A lot of people lately have talked about how Spencer Steer, his offensive numbers playing as a left fielder are really bad, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They were really good at third, really good at first, really good as a DH, but the games he's played in left, his numbers have not been very good. So if a guy comes up and he plays his first three, four years in the big leagues, and now he becomes an established player. In some cases, maybe he becomes an established star. The manager is very reluctant at that point to go to that player and say, hey, look, and, and really the, the, the best example that I can think of is Robin Yount. I'm dating myself yeah. a little bit yeah. here. But Robin Yount with the Brewers was an MVP as a shortstop, MVP of the league. And the Brewers go to him and say, hey, man, we need you in center field. Well, he goes out to center field. He's the MVP again. But his willingness to do it for the team, that is rare in veteran players, asking them to move a position or consider plugging him in in an extra inning game at a different position. 
because they've only played one place. The manager right now, with all these young players that you talked about, he's got all he's got the hammer, mm-hmm. right? And he says to him, "Hey, look, fellas, we're all in this to try and win. And if you get all your guys buying in that we're in this to win, okay, then they will do whatever the manager asks them to do, right?" No doubt. I mean, it's like when you're playing little league. If your coach said, "Hey, man." You're going to pitch a first inning. You're going to short. You're going to center. This isn't really a hell of a lot different, right, than, than, than Little League, the way the Reds are running this team. No, they're just, trying to, they're just trying to add as much value as possible with every player. Two guys that you alluded to in, in the monologue were former Cubs players, and obviously I'm a Cubs fan, yep. so it's Chris Bryant and Javi Baez. The reason that they played different positions was the same reason. How much value can you add to the team? But it was for different reasons in the fact that Chris Bryan wasn't a very good fielder at any position, but they needed his bat in the lineup every day. So they said, hey, we're going to have you play left field, play right field, first base, third base, whatever position it is, you're going to play that position today because we need your bat in the lineup. Javi Baez was the complete opposite. They said, hey, you are an elite fielder, so we need you to play multiple positions because we need your glove out in the field every single day. Well, there was a time I would make an argument he was the best athlete in the league. I don't no know doubt. what's happened to him since. I when, Watching Javi Baez was an infuriating thing because you would be so mad at him for six straight games, and then he would do the coolest thing you've ever seen a baseball yep. player do, and you're like, all right, Javi's not that bad. Then he'd watch him <laughs> strike out 16 straight times. Then he'd hit a 450-foot bomb and, yep. and do something cool in the base pass. It was incredibly infuriating. But that's what the Reds have right now. They've got players that are Javi Baez-esque in their athleticism. And it's showing on the field every single time that they play, they do, quote-unquote, cool things. It's, it's becoming very tired being a Reds hater over here, Tom. <laughs> I, I, I'm, losing, I'm losing ground by the day on, on hating on the Reds because they're a cool team. They All truly right, let, are. Let, let me ask you this on that top. Well-established your uh, affection. For the Cubs, yep. For the Cubbies. Okay. Um, if the Reds make it to the playoffs, are you like uh, one of those guys, let's say uh, an Ohio State fan, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm not speaking for all Ohio State fans. If Michigan's playing in a college football playoff, there are some that would say, and in the SEC, they do this crap all the time. It makes me crazy. They're chanting SEC, Couldn't SEC, after they've hated a team all year long, right? Or for decades in some cases. It just makes me sick. The way the SEC people, they just jump on the conference bandwagon when the time comes. But there are some Ohio State fans that if Michigan makes a college football playoff like it did last year, losing to TCU in the semis, uh, that, that they're going to root for them because they're from the Big Ten. Most of the Ohio State fans will be big-time bandwagon TCU fans in that case, yeah. rooting for Michigan to get beat. So this all gets back to the question I'm asking you, Reed Mouse. Yeah. Red legs get to the playoffs. Your Cubbies are once again at home watching. Yeah. Um, are you on the Red Legs bandwagon at that point? Yay or nay? If the Reds win in the postseason, I will be happy. I didn't say if they won in the postseason. I asked if they get to the postseason and they're playing in an opening round series against the Marlins. Pick anybody, right? Sure. Are you on... The Reds bandwagon. Yay or nay? If the Reds play the Marlins in the first round of the postseason, I will have same-day shipping on a Luis 
Arise jersey, and I'm all in on the Miami Marlins. That being said, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to make sure I heard you right because we may have to, Casey, please hit record. Uh, yep, we're recording. To make sure that we can come back and, and find this. Hold on. You Wait. are telling us on off the bench on this, the year of our Lord, July the 7th, 2020. Yes, Tom. Three. You are telling us that if the Reds, your hometown, Yep. You, born and raised right here, you're telling us, Reed Mouse, on the witness stand, you are telling us if the Reds played the Miami Marlins mm -hmm. in the first round of the playoffs, you would be wearing a Marlins player's jersey and rooting for the Miami Marlins. Did I just hear you right? Tom, yes, you heard me right. If the Cincinnati Reds, who... My dad has loved his entire life. The Cincinnati Reds, who my best friends have loved their entire life. The Cincinnati Reds, every person I work with has loved their entire life. If they were in the postseason, I'm actively rooting that they lose by 24 runs every single game that they play. You know what? Honestly, I respect the commitment. I would think less of Reed if he turns around and roots for the Reds in the playoffs. I agree with so that. So I, I respect the commitment to the bit. It's not a bit. Honestly, like, it, look, might, look, it might not be. It's, a bit. it's, it's not a bit. It's, it's just how he actually genuinely feels. I, I will be so happy for everyone that I just named. Everyone that I lo like, love, and respect loves the Reds. And I would be happy for them that they're, first off, enjoying this incredible regular season where they come back every single game. They have all these young players that are doing cool stuff every single game. It's an incredibly fun time to be a Cincinnati Reds fan. I'm so happy for them that they're enjoying this. All right, let me just quickly. But I do not well, want them to win. Let me quickly walk through a couple of other teams. <laughs> yeah. Just, just so we're on the record. Because you are getting absolutely destroyed in the chat. As I should be, Tom. Uh, well, no. Uh, listen, I agree with uh, Jacob. At least you are standing your ground. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I really do. I mean, there are people screaming for you to be fired at this point in time. But I admire your stance and your belief and standing by it. I truly do. If the Reds play the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs, yeah. are you wearing a Clayton Kershaw jersey? I mean, what are you doing at that point? Frederick Freeman. Give me a Freddie Freeman oh jersey right, right, okay. right then and now. Okay, what about... Uh, it doesn't they, matter, Tom. He can name any team in the, the National League. What about the Arizona Diamondbacks? You're going to break out the Randy Johnson jersey? I mean, what are you going to do? I'm going to I'm gonna bust open the, the Tom Brenneman jersey that's hanging on the wall over there, and I'm <laughs> going to be wearing that in the studio every day. Double zero, Tom Brenneman. Listen, Tom, I, I, I wish I, it wasn't so volatile, my hatred for, for the Reds, but I'm a Cubs fan, and my whole identity, my whole life has been the Cubs. As a sports fan, as I've been a Chicago Cubs fan. Do you think most Cub fans, and I worked there for six years, all right? Mm -hmm. My sister lives You're there. You're a closet Cubs fan. She's raised her, her kids <laughs> there. That's not true. I'm forever grateful for the Cubs for giving me that opportunity back in 1990. That I will never forget. But I'm not a Cubs fan. Nor am I a Cub hater. Um, where was I going with all of this? Do you, do you think... And I like to think that I have a pretty good pulse of the Cubs and their fans. Mm -hmm. All right? It's a unique relationship, really unlike any other in baseball. I'm not saying it's better than everybody else, but it certainly is extremely unique. And a part of that uniqueness died in 2016. 
Yeah. There was a part of it that died when they finally won the World Series. It took on a different tenor, a different tone. Expectations are different. All that kind of thing. But do you believe, we were talking about Ohio State Michigan fans, do you believe if the Reds made the playoffs and the Cubs don't, do you believe that most of the Cubs fans would be rooting against the Reds? I don't think they'd care. I don't, I don't think that the Reds are really in the Cubs mindset. I, I don't have a whole lot of Cubs fans that I interact with. I'm kind of alone on an island in that, in that whole regard because I live here in Cincinnati, and as I mentioned, everyone that I interact with is a Reds fan. But from my understanding, it's, it's the Cardinals and the Brewers are their big rivals. Okay, that's the, right. And then the, the, the Cubs Cardinals are, by far. The C Cardinals by a mile, and then the Brewers because they're so close to yeah, Chicago. Yeah. And then the Pirates and the Reds are I don't I don't this is demeaning, so I'm not gonna say it, but quote unquote afterthoughts in, in that regard. So no, I don't think there's a whole lot of hatred for Chicago Cubs fans and towards the Cincinnati Reds. You also gotta remember that the whole history of the, the Chicago Cubs. They weren't in the same division as the Reds till the 1990s, That's right? That's right. That's right. The Cubs were in the East. The Reds were in That's the West. That's when they redid realignment. I think it was 93. So or was it, it 98? Was, they did it twice. Well, well, they added teams in 98. It was... They, they added they teams in 93, they, and that's when that's the when Brewers the moved, moved over yep. to the National League. Yeah. And there were six teams in the NL Central. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's when they added the third division. So it's only been, what, 30 years that the Reds and the Cubs have been in the same division? So it's not a long storied history of those two teams battling it out ever for a pennant chase, which actually I still hold to this day would be the most fun that I could have as a sports fan. Uh, we are being asked uh, some new faces and some new names, unless I'm wrong. You ever heard of Tyler Dawley being in the chat? No. Oh, okay, Tyler, know. welcome. Nice to have you. Thanks for watching the show. He says, I'm from Cincinnati, and I'm a big Reds fan. I live in Wrigleyville. That's a good place to live if you're young. If you're old, it might get a little late and a little loud. But if you're young, it's pretty good. He says, the fans here hate the Reds. He said, so I wear my Red stuff all day, every day, and right now being able to rub their noses in it. Jared on vinyl, I think we've seen him before. Tom, what are your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber? He's from Middletown, Ohio, if you didn't know that. All-state linebacker for the Middies. Linebacker for Middletown. Sure looks like a linebacker. Until he yeah. tried to chase Brandon Miller around. <laughs> Braxton. Or Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller. Yeah, some people call him Brandon. Someone, someone put in the chat, and they're absolutely honest about this. I have been absolutely spoiled as a Cubs fan. I, when, when people talk like, oh, 108 years. I started being a Cubs fan in 2002. That's when I started liking baseball. And in 2003, they make the NLCS. They win the division in 07, 08. They, make the, they go to the NLCS in 15, 16, 17, win in 2016. I've, I've been incredibly spoiled as a Cubs fan. To say the least. Incredibly spoiled. So, I, yeah, I, I guess I understand that element of it, that I, I haven't gone through the years and years of, of, of losing. Okay. All right. Well, Reds fans have gone through a lot of lean times. So here we are, July the 7th. I mentioned in the monologue. Tonight, the Reds begin a series in Milwaukee. We have Bill Schroeder coming up shortly. Uh, man, he had a really long, solid Major League career and one of the truly great guys I have ever met in my life. Gotten to know him really, really well through the years as he's been the TV analyst for the Milwaukee Brewers. Just think the world of this guy. This guy is just... 
He, he is just a rock-solid regular guy, and we're going to hear from him at 11 o'clock um, to talk about the Brewers and to talk about this series. You guys are young enough, and I say all three of you, um, because, look, you were old enough to know what was going on in 2012, but you really weren't able to understand, just because of your youth, the entire sort of, you know, big picture on the Reds. I talked yesterday. I don't put any stock in that 2020 club. I don't put any stock into that whole year um, for everybody. You had COVID. You had all kinds of things going on. And the bottom line was the Reds had a roster good enough to win, in my opinion, to get into the postseason, uh, which they did. And I thought they were good enough and talented enough to advance in the postseason. They didn't score a run, losing two games in a best of three against Atlanta. Okay, so I don't put a lot of stock in that year. This is the biggest series that the Reds have played in, arguably, fellas, since you guys have been old enough in your lifetime. Would that be fair to say, Jacob Tissett, yeah, yay no, or nay? No question about it. I don't think there's one that's necessarily close. I mean, we had this same conversation a little over a month ago when the Brewers were coming in right. to Great American, and we didn't even have Ali De La Cruz, TJ Friedel, Joey Votto in the lineup right now, or at that point. So, yeah, we have the actual roster that we have to compete, and the Brewers are going to have to face that for the first time, and I, I think it's going to go differently. I think we're going to win the series. It's... I've, I've long said that there's nothing better in this city. You, you've talked about, Tom, I think you alluded to in Boston. You go to Boston, the Red Sox game's on at every bar. Well, it's, it's not it's just on, Boston. It's all over about five, six, seven states right. in New England. It's mind-boggling. It's, it's truly mind-boggling. It's on every TV in yep. every bar Everywhere. in New England. Here in Cincinnati, I, I've never been to New England, but I truly love when the Reds are good because you go just out to dinner at some bar and grill, and the TV's on the Reds game, and people start clapping and cheering when T.J. Friedel hits a two-run double. I love that as a yep. baseball fan. Yep. Truly love that. And this week, the fact that all my friends are texting about, we got the Brewers this week, and we got the Brewers this week, the fact that Elliot and Trace – hitch a car right on up to Milwaukee to yep. watch the series. That's awesome for this city, Tom. This is it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great series. This is the whole reason you're a fan is for these next six games for the Cincinnati Reds. And you know, I gotta tell you, tell me if you guys agree. Casey, especially I'm curious for you because you're kind of a novice to baseball, admittedly a, a, a novice to baseball, or at least paying attention to baseball. Let's put it that way. I think there is a legitimate chance. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Reed, because I you know, I like going out hitting some bars with my buddies from time to time, mm -hmm. not on a regular basis, but, you know, maybe you're going to dinner, like you said, uh, with some other couples, your wife, whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah. You're going to different joints. Even when the Reds started to play a little bit better after McLean had been brought up and all that kind of thing, I can't tell you how many places I walked into. The Reds would be playing and the game would not be on. I think we might look back, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I think one day we might look back that the turning point for the fan base on this organization, as sour as they have been, and rightfully so at times, about ownership, some of the, 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 the comments made by ownership, uh, not spending money, although I give them a lot more credit for spending money than some fans do. There have been a lot of years the Reds have spent more than enough money to win, and they didn't do it. No doubt about it. Um, 
But I think we might look back, not because of the player he could become, because I don't want to get too far ahead of myself on De La Cruz. But I think the day he was brought up, it changed everything in this city with the fan base. Obviously, they've played great. If they would have gone 7-18 and 18 since he came up, it'd be a little different ballgame if he were hitting a buck 90. But the fact is, since he came up, this team has taken off, and he has been a big reason why. Yay or nay, Casey, you agree with that? For you, did it change when De La Cruz came up? Ooh, Tom, I, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a really good turning point. Um, I would I would agree with that. I mean, you just look at the record since Ellie's been up, and I think the numbers speak for itself, right? Yep. Since he's been up, I mean, they've been tearing it up, just killing it. Killing it. And, you know, I would like to imagine that it was maybe before then because people were excited that there was the prospects that were coming up. But on on the field play, it was definitely when Ellie came up. And I think that's when fans truly – began to really believe in this team. Yep. Tom, do you remember what what happened when the news broke about Ellie De La Cruz getting called up? You and Trace were in the, the office right next to us, having, yep. having a meeting just about the future of this show, yep. just a cordial meeting about this. And I, I actually had to break in there to go like, hey, Ellie De La Cruz is uh, being called up. And Trace immediately is like, all right, we got to do a live show. Right. And immediately the, the tickets – the, the, the ticket website, the Reds crashed. website, crashed yeah, because people were trying to get it. So they generated this buzz for the Cincinnati Reds with Ellie De La Cruz being called up. Yep. And they've capitalized it in every sense of the word. You only have this faint buzz when something like that happens. And the Reds haven't looked back, haven't looked in the rearview mirror once, have played the best ball that they've played yep. in de- decades, Tom. Decades. Over the past month, it is the best ball that the Reds have played in decades. No, what, Capitalized de- on it. Decades? Since the 90s, probably. Since the 90s. We haven't had an 11-game win streak since long before that. Well, this, this okay, but they had a 10-game win streak in uh, 2012. When seven what? road series in a row. Yeah, I mean, come on. And, and you look at that team, and again, I don't get – everybody's on me all the time. Tom, uh, you know, are you buying the hype? Our buddy Sir Boy Wonder. And somebody keeps asking about front row. Who's front row Amy? Uh, famous Brewers fan. She sits in the front row of the, bleach, of the outfield wall. And they're trying to get Elliot to go find her when she's there. When he's oh, okay. There. All right. I, I, somebody asked if I know who she is. I have no idea who she is. Um, um, if you look back at all those players the Reds brought up, right around that time frame, okay? I still think you can make an argument. Now, look, we've been able to examine their careers, and I'm not suggesting for a second that some of the young players they have now will not be better than some of those players they brought up. But, guys, let's be honest about it here for a second. Reed, Jacob, Casey. You know, you're talking about Jay Bruce. I know a lot of people like to beat down Homer Bailey. I think there are a lot of people out there that if you really look at Bailey's stats, remove yourself from the contract that he got. That's not on him. He was given that contract. Who's going to turn down $100 million? Okay? But if you're talking about Araldis Chapman, you're talking about Bailey, you're talking about Todd Frazier, you're talking about Jay Bruce, right? Who am I forgetting in this group? I'm forgetting some good players. 
that came up with that group. Votto, Votto. was a little Votto. bit before, a right. couple of years before. Right. He was in 07. But the point I'm making is, is in 2012, this team had a lot of really good young players. Oh, absolutely. Right? Really good. Um, I mean, look, like him or hate him, he wasn't a great player, but Drew Stubbs was a solid player. You could run him out there every day. Uh, he was going to hit a little bit. He was a great defender. He played every day. Um, they had brought up, if I remember right, Devin Mezzarocco at that point right. in time, right? Who everybody thought was going to be this big star, number one pick, so on and so forth. You know, that was a good group, man. That was a talented group of players that all came up together. Unfortunately, um, they had their chance in 12 and 13, and they didn't get it done. But, you know, look, um, you just never know what's going to happen with young players. That's why I don't buy the hype. Once they get it done for a number of years, year after year after year, I'm all in. I'm all in. Is, is it I don't know if this team is better than that 2012 team is ultimately what I'm saying here. That team won 97 games. The only team that won more games, if I'm not mistaken, than the Reds in 2012 was the Washington Nationals. I think they were the number one seed in the playoffs. The Reds were the two seed. And both teams got beat yeah, in, the, in yes. the division series uh -huh. in spectacular meltdown fashion. If you ever want to kill some time and go back and watch a team that has never melted down in the history of baseball in a best of five series, the Reds, was that was a painful deal where yeah. they won the first two and they come home and lose three in a row. Nothing is more painful than watching what happened to the Washington Nationals in 2012 and that best of five division series against the St. Louis Cardinals. They led in every game. And the bullpen, it didn't matter who they ran out there. Things were just completely blowing up. All right. Ham and Eggers, uh, take it away. Um, we got Bill Schroeder coming up right around the corner. Gentlemen, take it away. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Welcome to the Ham and Eggers segment. This is a shot, a chance for us to shout out to the sponsors. Obviously, this show is sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, Betfred Sportsbook is a sponsor of Chatterbox Sports. So if you need to get some coffee, you need to get some gas, you need to get some ice cream, you go to UDF. If you need to place some wagers on the Cincinnati Reds playing the Milwaukee Brewers, there's no better place to do that than at Betfred Sportsbook. We also are sponsored by Encore Technologies. We've talked a little bit about the Bearcats and how they are Pick to finish second to last in the Big 12 in football this year? Well, the Bearcats Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies, and they provide IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And the question still remains, are you still drinking regular water? And did you know that alkaline water has been shown to have superior hydration benefits versus regular water in a clinical study? And there's a new premium wa alkaline water out there that's Pawnee. And I have to tell you, this stuff tastes great. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration. They put one ingredient in the bottle. That is water. I look younger every time that I take a drink of it. And I can't wait to get my next drink. It's right there. The result, 
of the natural limestone filtration is the best tasting water in the world. Find out where you can get Pawnee at PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. You can find out where you can get this stuff. Um, quick note from the chat. Someone says, extend read. Thanks, Chad. I love Chad Waits in the, the chat. Thanks for the super chat. As good as Tiger on Sundays, Tom in that white on Fridays might be better. Hashtag extend read. I wonder if Tom's going to a Michael Rubin fanatics party with the white that he's that he's rocking. Also, guys, I hate to tell you this, but if Javi Baez was a Cincinnati Red, he'd be the best middle infielder that the Reds have had since Barry Larkin. The only person that comes close is Brandon Phillips, and Javi Baez did exactly what Brandon Phillips did, but better in the fact that he was a defensive first player. He was a better defensive player than Brandon Phillips was, and he hit better than Brandon Phillips. I hate to tell you guys that. I know he sucks sometimes. I know he sucks a lot of the time. I know he's very mouthy. I know there was a, a big um, fight between them and Amir Garrett and all that stuff. Javi Baez would be the best middle infielder that the Reds have had since Barry Larkin. It's just Point in case, a fact. We would also love him so much. Correct. Like, I'm sorry to tell you that, but like he would. You yeah. would because he's, he's a fiery player. player. Right. He strikes out a billion times, and he's the most infuriating player that I've ever seen. But, yeah, that happens. Casey, I'm sorry about your ticket. I'm sorry about that. Um, hopefully that all works out. But we're going to be talking the, the Brewers and Red Series here coming up. Um, I have a question for Tom when he gets back in here about uh, the MLB draft. We were talking about the draft, and I say one of the things that you can't do, as I, I get so mad for some reason when the Cubs take high school prospects in the draft, early in the draft. It's just you've, you've shown way more success over the past decade drafting college players. They pan out way more. Now, yes, there are some cases where the talent at the high school level is just far beyond – what you see. I mean, like Bryce Harper, no doubter. I mean, that, that panned out incredibly well. You can go all the way back to the 80s with Ken Griffey Jr., Chipper Jones, guys like that. Those are anomalies. More often than not, if you take a high school player in the draft, it's just way more risky. It's way more risky. And you've seen way more success drafting college kids as of late. Yash with the super chat. He, he gave us 10 quid earlier. Turned 25 yesterday. Happy birthday, Yash. Got to see us win twice in a day in London. Grateful for this show and the podcast. Yash, we're happy to have you on here. And we're happy that you support us all the way from London. It's, what, a five-hour difference? I'm still mad that you didn't go to the London series. I know it was two of the rivals of the Reds, but that would have been fun. Would have been a fun thing to see some Major League Baseball over across the water. Um, and finally, I'm, what do we got here in the chat? Hey, Reed, do you think Sabo should have won the Rookie of the Year? I haven't looked into that. That would have been, what, 1989? Chris Sabo? I, I don't know. I'll, I'll pull up his stats right here and right now. Well, when Sabo this. won the Rookie of the Year? Do you think that he should have won Rookie of the Year? Yeah, that was 1988. The other, the other guy most people were screaming for that year uh, was my old friend and broadcast partner, Mark Grace. Yeah. Well, Sabo had a much better year than Mark Grace that year. Yeah. He did? He did? Much better? Chris Sabo had... Listen, they played the same amount of games. Chris Sabo had more hits, more runs scored, um, hit for more power, and stole 46 bases. Yeah, end of story. Now, now Mark Grace had a 20-point higher batting average and a 50-point higher on-base percentage, but Chris Sabo also played a, a premier position while Mark Grace played first base. Okay, well, he was the best first baseman, though, defensively in the league. All right, the best first baseman in the league isn't worth 
what an average third baseman is worth. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, no position more valuable than catcher. Maybe outside the man on the mound who gets it. And uh, this guy played for a long, long time in the big leagues. And for a long, long time since then, has been the TV voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. I was saying before he came on the program that this is one of my all-time favorite guys I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And I mean that not just in broadcasting, but in my life. I just uh, – I thank the world of Bill Schroeder. And, uh, and I miss seeing you, buddy. And welcome to yeah. Off the Bench. How are you, young man? How's everything? It looks like the sun is shining in Milwaukee. We're doing great. I mean, it's been a little bit hot up here. Of course, you don't, I don't have to tell you guys that. Um, but I've spent some of my hottest days in Cincinnati at the old ballpark. And, uh, you know, I got some stories to tell about that. But those days with Matt Vasquez, but great seeing you, Tom. We miss you. Um, I'm not traveling these days. I'm just doing home games. So, um, you know, I finally uh, decided that uh, cut it back a little bit. But I won't be in Cincinnati. Miss everybody. Miss the crew over there. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, the division's kind of interesting this year, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it really is. And, and, Billy, it's been a long time since the Reds have seen the Brewers, and a lot has changed for both teams. Give, give us a macro view of, of where the Brewers are so far this year. I think that most people felt like the strength of the team would be at starting pitching, that that would separate the Brewers really from everybody else, uh, maybe outside the Cardinals when the season began. We know a disaster that that has been. But, but, but what's sort of the state of the union, if you will, of the Brewers right now so far this year? Well, inconsistent offense. I mean, the Brewers have always been put together with power in mind. And, um, you know, looking to you know, hit home runs. You know, Rowdy Telez is on the injured list. He has a bad forearm. He hasn't hit a home run in over a month. Willie Adamas, I think, you know, in his free agent uh, season is uh, kind of putting a little bit too much pressure on himself and his offensive numbers – um, have not been good. You know, Luis Arias, the shortstop, or this third baseman, is down in the minor leagues. And um, so offense has been an issue. You know, starting pitching injuries. So Brandon Woodruff's only made two starts. He made his first two starts of the year this year. Uh, went on the injured list with a uh, shoulder issue. He has not been back. They're not expecting him to be back probably until the end of July at, at best. Now, Tommy, you know how big of a, a loss that is. I mean, yep. he's one of the the best starters in the big leagues. You know, uh, Corbin Burns has been consistent. He hasn't missed a start in a few years. I mean, he's been Corbin Burns. We're going to see him, you know, tonight against uh, your, your, uh, your your young kid, Abbott, who's been really lighting the world on fire. But uh, a couple of guys that uh, the Brewers added, um, you know, in the starting rotation, Colin Ray, kind of a journeyman guy. Mm-hmm. He was with the Brewers a couple of years ago for a little bit. He has really put together some fantastic starts. And Julio Tehran, remember him? Yep. You know, with the Atlanta Braves. I mean, he's uh, he's been really good. His last two starts haven't gone all that well. But, you know, on, at the, and looking at it, you would think starting pitching is a problem. But that's not the issue. I mean, um, you know, the, the Brewers continue. Uh, to struggle to be consistent in scoring runs. Now, having said that, they put up a bunch of runs against the Cubs. And what I would say was the most emotional and nerve-wracking four-game series that I've ever been a part of. I mean, as far you know, I've been doing this 29 years, and every game was back and forth, up and down, teams coming back. So, you know, there might be a little bit of a hangover for the Brew Crew, you know, with that series. It was emotional. You know how the Cub fans, they yeah. come into – of ballparks, and it's like you don't know if you're sitting in the parking lot whether a brewer hit a home run or a cub. So, 
Um, that, that takes a lot out of players and when they're at home and you, you're dealing with that. So, uh, you know, the Brewers, you know, as much as they haven't seen them much in the Reds, they got a three-game series here in Milwaukee, and then you got the All-Star break, and then the Brewers go right back you know, to Cincinnati. So six consecutive games against the Reds, and the Brewers are looking at this as an important stretch. You know, it, 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 I want to get back to a second about the back and forth in the Cubs series. And, and look, I, 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 I admit, just lay it out there on the table from the very, very get-go, I am a big Craig Council fan. Uh, I know him well yeah. personally. Uh, I, I always thought, even when he was a player with the Marlins or the Brewers, that that would be the kind of guy, if he wanted to do it, should be a manager. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, a lot of people here in Cincinnati, Billy, you know, are saying, okay, well, David Bell, uh, he had good teams back in the COVID years. They got to the playoffs. They get bounced. Then he goes through a number of this whole rebuild where they're getting their tail kicked every night, and that's no fault of his own. Now they're playing well, and you've got some that are saying, well, you got to give the guy an extension. What was it about Council? Because when he took over the Brewers – and I think it was for Ron Renicky, if I'm not mistaken. He was working up in the front mm-hmm. office. He takes over for Renicky. Um, what is it? Everybody, I mean, David Bell is no different than the council. They were both good players. They grew up in the game. They understood the game, students of the game. But what was it about council or what is it about council that, it, that has led to his sustained success where you said even early on, hey, mm-hmm. this is a guy we want around here a long time if he wants to be here. Well, again, I don't care what kind of manager you are. you got to have players to be able to get the job done. I mean, Craig Council has, in my mind, and, you know, I look at I look at everything through Brewers' glasses. But yeah. I think he's the best game manager in, in baseball. I think that he's never surprised. He's always looking ahead. I mean, the way he works his bullpen, um, the way he you know, manipulates his bench and keeps everybody involved in games. I mean, if you're on the, you're in the National League game, you know, even with the designated hitter, Craig Council has a way of using all of his players, and everybody comes to the ballpark every day knowing that there's a pretty good chance that not only are they going to be able to get into a game, but they're going to have an impact on the outcome of a game, and we've seen that over and over and over again. So, um, you know, Council, I, I think that the, the trend in baseball is managers that have are, are not that far removed from their playing days understand the mentality of young players these days. I mean, and that is so much different, Tom. And you know that from back, even when I played back in the 80s, early 90s. I mean, things are so much different. And and it's such a different way you have to deal with players these days, whether that be good or bad. It's just the reality of it. But Craig Council cares about his players. He has a way of getting to his players, and, and they understand what their role is. Um, they might not like it, but he's a guy that's not afraid to tell them that this is what I expect out of you. So he, he really looks like he has that really calm demeanor. Uh, he, he's always prepared. His coaching staff, you know, has been very good. And he's really done a pretty good job in the last few years, you know, getting close to they missed the playoffs last year for the first time in four years, getting the most out of players and getting into the postseason with a lot of times people would say don't have really the talent to, to do so. And um, I think that it's one of the things that council is, is really good at is, and I know it's an overused term, getting more out of your players than normal. But uh, I, I, Craig Council just, you know, he, he, he always has time for everybody at the ballpark, whether it be a vendor, whether it be me. You know how it is, Tom. Sometimes when you go up to a manager, sometimes they don't want to give you information and they don't have time. And um, he always finds a way to stop, turn around, shake your hand, and 
and give you the time of day. And no question is ever, you know, stupid. I mean, he always gives every question his due. So I, I just think that he gets the most out of his guys. Um, and, um, you know, I think players enjoy playing for him because he understands them because it hasn't been that far. He hasn't, he's not that far removed from his playing days. I want to walk back with you just for a second, Billy, if you don't mind, about this time roughly a year ago. You mentioned the Brewers didn't make the playoffs. Here in Cincinnati, there's a hot debate right now. Uh, they've got all this seemingly uh, stable of young stars, right, that are with a big league club now. Uh, you have, I mean, it's amazing. And, and you know this, Billy, in your preparation for the team. You know, everybody thought going into this year that the strength of the Reds would be their young starting pitching. Nick Lodolo, mm-hmm. Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, on and on and on and on and on. And we knew Andrew Abbott was on the way, didn't think he'd be here necessarily doing this well this quickly. But all of a sudden, Green, Lodolo, they're nowhere to be found. They're out hurt. Ashcraft was the best pitcher in the National League in April. He was the worst pitcher in the National League in May and June. And now he's had back-to-back good starts. But everybody wondered, how were they going to score? Well, now all of a sudden, they're scoring runs like nobody's business, right? They're the seventh-highest scoring team in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, and, And now, because of the starters being hurt and or ineffective, there are some around here that are saying, you know what? I know you got a lot of these great young players at the minor league level. You, you got to make a deal, and you got to get some some starters in here to try and win. Because outside of Atlanta, nobody's a juggernaut in the National League. Reds look like they can beat anybody. They can lose to anybody, but they look like they can beat anybody. This time a year ago, the Brewers traded Josh Hader, the best yeah. closer in the game. Um, mm-hmm. what, what would you, what was going on there? And what would you say if you were the general manager of the Reds and, you know, do, do you go out and trade some young players to try and win now? Well, you're winning now. I mean, it's a really good year, Tommy, right? To be average in the National League Central Division. I mean, I don't know if you want to mortgage your future to grab a player or two or maybe a pitcher or I don't know what they're looking for. You know, in all honesty, I really haven't dug too deep into the Reds uh, at this point. It's still a little bit early out here. I'm still yeah. getting over the hang of that four-game series against the Cubs. <laughs> but, uh, again, you know, the it sounds as though what is being discussed in Cincinnati is the same thing that's being discussed in Milwaukee. What is Matt Arnold? our new general manager going to do. And there's really hasn't been any discussion. He hasn't made any comments regarding the trading deadline and what their uh, plans are. Now the the draft's coming up. So I think the the thing right now is with with baseball is that, you know, you have the draft and you have the trading deadline and they're pretty close together. And it never used to be that way. So um, I don't know what the Reds need to do. I know that they, they were playing some pretty good baseball on the road. I mean, what was the year? What was it like 2000 when they call them the big road machine, something like that? 2012. Yeah, they had the second best record in the National oh, League and get bounced in the playoffs. You guys can't lose on the road this year. And, um, you know, I don't know what has to be done. Now, again, I mean, some of the injuries to the starting rotation, well, those guys expected to come back. I think that the Brewers are anticipating Brandon Woodruff actually coming back. Now, that's a big time trading deadline acquisition when yep. you get guys like back and it's really with from within so I don't think Matt Arnold has any interest in trading off any of his minor league talent you know like Jackson Cheerio and uh, Sal Freelich and those kind of guys to bring somebody in here to try and make a playoff run now 
there's a big difference between getting their playoffs and feeling as though you can win a World Series. And what do you feel like you want to give up just to get into the playoffs? I don't think the Brewers are in that spot. So, and probably the Reds aren't either. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's, a, it's the end run, the long game for, uh, you know, Matt Arnold and the Brewers. And I would imagine that, you know, I don't think that the Reds are, would be have any interest in getting rid of a lot of their young talent. Like De La Cruz, I mean, that guy, he, he's really made an impact. And every every day, you know, you, you look at the uh, the box scores, I mean, he's, he's doing something to help you win. So, um, you know, it's tough these days, you know, General managers have to figure, do we have enough to win a World Series, get to a World Series, or is it just going to get to the playoffs? And you got to decide whether that's something you want to do. Well, you know, it's one of those things, and you're right, Bill. I mean, this is a kind of topic that has been debated, uh, you know, uh, forever and ever and ever, especially when you are a mid-market, smaller market team. Uh, you know, you try to do it the right way. You try to draft well, develop well, which I think is the one area where most people don't talk about as much. I think development is every bit not as mm -hmm. important. I think it's far more important than your drafting. Uh, it's the development of what happens when you get guys in your system, whether they be pitchers or position players. But, you know, look, uh, George Grant used to say all the time, and we've used this quote frequently on the program, uh, you don't pick the year that you're going to contend. The year picks you. Right. Um, right. And look, the Atlanta Braves were just here a week ago in a three-game series. And it was exactly the kind of series you were talking about with the Cubs. Now, it didn't have the rivalry implication or the proximity mm -hmm. implications. But this was an unbelievable three-game series. And, I mean, yeah. the Reds are going toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys. And you're saying to yourself, hold on a minute now. You just saw some of the Braves allegedly great pitchers who didn't look so great. You were running out all your starters who weren't worth a hoot, and yet you're taking it to these guys for three straight days. Mm -hmm. Now, you end up losing two out of three, but you easily could have gone 3-0 and just like you could have gone 0-3. I, I just think that, you know, I feel like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to trade the De La Cruz's or the Matt McLean's or those guys or the Spencer Steelers right, right. of the world. But I just say to myself, Bill, you know, look – if I can get fill in the blank, Shane Bieber, if I can get, you know, somebody like that, and right. if my organization is not strong enough to withstand the loss of two guys that are playing in single A or double A, I mean, come on. If your franchise is based on that, then you got issues right. to begin with. I, I think you go for it if you get the chance. No doubt. And if I hope you guys don't get Shane Bieber. That's going to hurt our chances. <laughs> well, you know, you're right about, you know, any team that lines up against any other team. So, you know, the Oakland A's came in here uh, a while ago and swept the Brewers in a three-game series. And there was a stretch where they, they couldn't lose either. So, right. you, know, you, you run the hot pitchers and you, you have some guys that aren't throwing the baseball that well. The Brewers beat Stroman yesterday. He's had three bad starts in a row. So, on paper, you know, you've got really good starting rotations, but guys aren't going to be at the top of their game all season long for 30, 31, 32 starts. So um, I agree with you. If you can get a guy like that for maybe a couple of uh, also ran guys down in the low minor leagues, for sure, you pull that deal off. But I don't know how many teams are, are going to be willing to do that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just a good year to be in the Central Division in both the American and National League. Look, the American the Central Division, American League, has one team over 500 right yep. now. So, yep. you know, it's good. You know, and, the, and, you know, the Central Division and the National League, I mean, 
Um, it, it's 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 going to come down to the end. Who's going to get hot? And you know what? I I'm one of those guys that I, I'm scared to death of the Cardinals every single season. Once they get to mid-August and into September, how many times, Tommy, have we seen them yep. just put a run together and start getting back into a race? I mean, it's, it's just it's just you just get conditioned to expect that out of those guys. But you know, they have played dreadful baseball, and that's the biggest surprise for me. Uh, in the division, the fact that they, they just, they're, they're way behind and they're way under 500. You don't usually see that, but maybe they would be in a position maybe at some point to make some moves and, and deal off some talent, you know, get a Jack Flaherty or something like that. That would be something that would be of interest. Right. Um, the, la- the last thing I want to ask you about, and, and, <clears throat> and I don't want to ask you as it pertains specifically to the Reds young catcher, Tyler Stevenson, because you don't watch him play every day, and I don't expect you to have a, an opinion on him one way or the other. I do want to ask you, though, about just from a philosophical standpoint, because you were a catcher for a long time in the big <clears throat> leagues. The Reds made the determination um, going into this season They've watched Stevenson get hurt a lot. Uh, now, there have been some freak stuff. He gets hit by a pitch. He breaks his clavicle. You know, I mean, there, there's some weird stuff going on there. But mm-hmm. uh, they think he's going to be a very good offensive player. They think him catching every day uh, would wear him down potentially and, and, and obviously a greater risk of injury as a catcher. Stevenson has not been nearly as good from an offensive standpoint as we have seen him in the past. Um, do you think for the catching position, because Stevenson loves being a catcher. He has said that all along. Do you mm-hmm. think when you ask a guy to go from being a, a, a regular catcher, and maybe a regular catcher in this day and age is, is five days a week instead of seven back in your day or six back in your right. day where maybe you got a Sunday afternoon off. Um, do, do you think that, that now all of a sudden, you know, you're catching two days a week, you're DH in two days a week. You're playing first base maybe a day a week. Do you think that that can have impact on a player? And let's just call him player X if you're a catcher. Right. Right. I think it's a negative impact. I mean, unless you're used to playing first base. I mean, how many guys get accustomed to the designated hitter spot? I mean, you know, baseball uses the DH to give a guy a day off. How many guys are – the only solely a designated hitter like a Hal McCray, you know, back in the old days. But I, I would say that initially, if Stevenson, if they decide to take him away from behind home plate, he's going to have a difficult time because you spend a lot of time worrying about defense, playing first base or throwing a guy in the outfield. And, you know, it, it takes it takes a toll on the offense initially just because a guy is getting beat up behind home plate and you think that that's affecting his offense, doesn't necessarily mean that if you move him back there, he's going to relax and start hitting the baseball. There are other factors that are involved in trying to move a guy around, whether it be catcher, DH, first base, left field, whatever, um, things to think about. Because, you know, you see a lot of guys in the outfield, they, they sit there, they're, they're working on their stroke. You know, Ryan Braun used to go out there and he's, he'd work on his stroke in between pitches when he's playing in the outfield. Well, if you're not used to playing the outfield, that's not the case. And you, you spend a lot of time, you know, worrying about, um, um, you know, defense and making, you know, making bad plays. But I will say this, we just, uh, you know, we, we talked about the Cubs and they were here. I tell you guys, I know you guys miss Tucker Barnhart. That guy, he's a stud behind home plate, and he's a leader over there. And uh, we are glad to see the Cubs and Tucker Barnhart out of town right now. 
Yeah, uh, you're right. And, and everybody around here loves Tucker Barnhart. He just grew up, uh, you know, right across the border over there and outside of Indianapolis. Last thing I want to ask you about, because you get into the whole thing about long-term contracts with guys and big money contracts with guys. Three or four years ago, Christian Yelich looked like he was going to be the best player in baseball for a number of years. Now, I know he's had a lot of injuries, uh, and that's part of the game. Where is Yelich right now as far as as a player? I know he's been a little bit better here lately, but but you know overall, uh, where where is Christian Yelich? I think he's back to the mentality that he had back in eighteen and nineteen. Now he doesn't have the power. Hit a big home run in yesterday's game, a three run shot off of Stroman, who doesn't give up many home runs. But I, I think that as far as getting on base and being an impact player. Uh, again, and you talked about the injuries. I mean, he had a bad back for a couple of years. And I was talking to our hitting coaches, Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson, uh, you know, the two hitting coaches in spring training. I said, give me a read on Christian Yelich and what kind of year is he going to have? He says he's going to be back to pretty close to the form that he was, you know, when he first came over here because he's healthy. His back is feeling good. You remember in 2019 in September, he cracked his uh, kneecap and some people think for a year or so that affected the way he was swinging the, ball, swinging the bat, pulling off the baseball a little bit. He's worked very hard on his defense. His defense is markedly better out in the left field, including his throwing arm, because his back is feeling better. So it's one of those things, Tommy, you know, you know, some, there, there are some guys, you know, you give a long-term deal and or, you know, they have a little bit of a problem and, and they're going to sit out. They're going to go on the injury list. You know, Christian Yelich was dealing with stuff. Never really talked about it to the media. The Brewers were very well aware of it. He spent a lot of time in the clubhouse getting ready to, you know, play every day. But he, he never used that as an excuse for, you know, lack of productivity in 2021 and 22. So you got to tip your hat to that guy. So he's got the long-term deal. He, he, he plays every single day. And I think right now he's pretty close to back to where he was from the beginning of May until this point right now. He's hitting, he's hitting almost 400. Uh, he's getting on base. He steals bases. He is by far, in my mind, and I haven't seen everybody, but best base runner in, in the game. I mean, he'll go from first to home in a flash. So um, he's back to where he was back in 18 and 19 without the home run power. He hit one yesterday. He's got maybe 12 home runs, 10, 10, 11 home runs, but he's never going to be the 30, 40 home run guy again, but he's an impact player once again. All right, Billy, we thank you so much for your time, man. It's great to see you. Nice to talk to you. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. I know there'll be a huge crowd on hand for Milwaukee in this series. And uh, all the best, my friend. Godspeed ahead. And by, before I let you go, because we just celebrated July 4th, your son is a man of the United States military. He was down yes, the sir. trail not too far from us in Kentucky for a while. How's he doing? Yep. He's doing great. He's out of the Army. He's in private security in the Seattle area where he and his wife uh, currently live. He always talks really highly of you, and you were really good to him as well. So uh, we appreciate that. And, Tommy, we miss seeing you, man. We really do miss seeing you, and hopefully we see you down the road. And tell your dad we said hello, right? We'll do it. Billy, thanks for your time, man. Have a great day. All right, Tom. Thanks, bud. Right, buddy. Bill Schroeder, kind enough to join us from Milwaukee. That is a big-time series, boys. Starting to, I did not realize Yelich was on that kind of a roll. Yeah, two, 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 two and a half months, and he's close to 400 after a terrible start. Remember, when they were in here early in the year, and I know it was, a, you know, wasn't a large number of games. When they were here early in the year, he was awful. 
He's playing really well, Tom. He really, he's come back. He's he's been kind of the the one shining bat in a in a pretty depleted Brewers lineup. He's been the one shining. I mean, he. I think Bill said it best. He's never going to be the 40 home run, 30 stolen base guy that he was when he was winning Most Valuable Player awards. But he still has, in the, in the twilight of his career, still has the ability to be the most impactful player on a Brewers lineup. Yesterday, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger hit a home run in the same game. and Took you back to 2019? There were debates on Twitter on who you'd rather have on your team and just made my heart a little happy. See it's got to be. Be Belly's 26. Oh, I, just the fact that there were Yelich Bellinger debates again, oh. though, is, is what I mean. Like, that, that was a great summer debating those two guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yelich is a far superior player than Cody Bellinger. But he's also he four is years a older. I understand that part of it. So if you're asking for the long haul, right. if you had to sign them both to a deal, that I get. Right. But you want to go win a game, a big game. Yeah, you I'll take, take Yelich all day, every you day. You take Christian Yelich. No Absolutely. You're going to put the bat on the ball. He can run, right? You've never been a big belly guy, have I'm you? I'm not a big belly guy. I'm not nothing against him. I met him a couple of times back when I was doing games. I mean, I, I, li I like the dude. Uh, he seems like a really good dude. But I don't think he's uh, – if I had to win a game tomorrow and go to the post with one or the other. I agree. You, you agree with that? I No, I, yeah. If you're asking me, you know, wild cards tomorrow, you get one guy, pick one guy to be in the lineup, I'm taking Christian Yelich, no doubt about it. But if you're asking me who do I want for the next three years, you're taking Cody Bellinger. No, no doubt about that either. They both have had – Well, I don't know about no doubt about it, but they it, both I mean, if you're talking two years now, I'm not talking about a five-year deal. What's funny, Tom, is they've had similar careers as of late. You know, in 2018, 2019, if you could take any outfielder in Major League Baseball, Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger are like the fifth, fourth, and fifth names yeah. you, you name. Yeah, I hear you. And then since COVID, since 2020, 2021, 2022, they both have been very bad. Yelly okay. has been better than Cody Bellinger, but it's, I mean, you're, you're talking two-day-old McDonald's or three-day-old McDonald's, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's both bad. McDonald's is what? Two-day-old McDonald's and three-day-old McDonald's isn't very good, Tom. I don't know. You can heat up a uh, quarter-pounder with cheese. <sighs> You're telling me you, you, you I don't say I do it with any regular basis. I'm just saying now a Big Mac where you got some of the mayo and stuff going on, that kind of thing. I, I, I get it. Special sauce, they call it. Yeah. But I mean, a, 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 not even a cheeseburger, but a quarter pounder with cheese, I think you can pull it off. You're telling me you nuke a quarter pounder with cheese. Depends how hungry you are, my friend. I, I'm not disagreeing. I think I love McDonald's. I, I'll stand on the, the mountain and defend McDonald's tooth and nail. But McDonald's has a very quick shelf life. Okay. If you don't eat McDonald's in the, in the first 30 minutes, it, it, ain't, it ain't tasting very good, Tom. Okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, and some McDonald's are better than other McDonald's. No doubt about That's it. That's the one thing. We've talked about that on the show. The one fast food chain. That you have to say, no matter where you go, coast to coast, in my opinion, with the most consistent product, sure, is Chick Fil A. No doubt about it. They take pride. Yeah. They, they, yeah. More than any other place, they seem to take pride in what they're putting out there. All right, you look at the pitching matchups this weekend. Now you just heard from Bill Schroeder, right? He says that you know really the. The Brewers' starting rotation, a lot of people like to jump on that from the outset. He said they've actually been more than good enough to win. And look, they're two games out of first. With all the injuries he talked about, 
guys that are even hurt going into this series, guys that have underperformed, right? All that kind of thing. They haven't had Brandon Woodruff. Bottom line is they're two games out of first. Bottom line. So they're hanging in there. We talked about Andrew Abbott v. Corbin Burns tonight. How do you not love Andrew Abbott? Some people in the chat don't. I they don't like to... Andrew Abbott? Some people in the chat are saying don't give Andrew Abbott a massive extension after six starts. Oh, no, I would never <laughs> right. do that. <laughs> right. I oh, wouldn't give no. any pitcher a long-term deal. Right. Hang on. Hang any on. of them. Hang on. So, first off, I want to clarify that, that comment. Not till after the offseason when we were talking with chat. I don't know if anyone got that. But – what what is the the deal with with Abbott and his placement? What what are yeah, what, what, uh, what are those advanced things? metrics like stuff plus and location and stuff like that? Don't love most of Andrew Abbott's pitches. I mean, obviously the eye test works great. He's not allowing runs. He's striking out a lot of batters, but a lot of those advanced metrics and guys talking about extensions like to look at those to see how people project long term and really only love one of Andrew Abbott's pitches. Does that make you worried? No, but I think that that's something you have to think about when you're talking about extensions. Right, they got to have plus plus stuff to right. to be here long to to commit a lot of money. Not, not to mention we have Andrew Abbott under team control already for, six for years. four years. Uh, four years? Well, and then arbitration. But right, right. They, yeah, he's on a rookie contract. Like he's on a rookie contract. Like we're not in any rush. Right. To do it with you know these guys, especially pitchers. In the ML, in the, Casey, in the MLB, you get team control for six seasons. Right. Yeah. No, I I get that. I. I was just mainly asking because I don't know what these advanced metrics are. Like, I'm just now hearing about – I know they exist, but I don't know where to go looking for it. I'm not going to spend time trying to find it. They so, Basically, just to say but, that he doesn't have big strikeout potential. He doesn't have st- – He's yeah, not right. right. It's weird he's because not he's not Spencer Strider. Right. He's not Spencer Strider. That's all it's saying. He's okay. not Brandon Williamson in advanced metrics, right. which is, you know, then you get into how much do analytics mean versus. Oh, my God. You know. See, that's the stuff with analytics that makes me want to throw up. What? Are, are you talking about Abbott? Compar- no, I'm not. I'm just saying some, some stuff people. plus numbers. Brandon Williamson is better than Andrew oh Abbott. Oh, my God. So that's why people that just bang the table for analytics, I don't necessarily agree with. But it, that is something you have to look at for extensions. I, I, I mean, come. When did, when did everyone Almighty. stop using I mean, their eyes, Tom? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Who's getting outs? <laughs> That's a, Yeah. Who's pitching into the six without a walk and 12 punch outs? Damn right, Tom. I was using that Who's as Who's giving up, what, five bad. runs, all solo home <laughs> runs, or whatever it is. Every run that Abbott has allowed has been, if I'm not mistaken, has been on a home run. Five, eh, Yes. We, we looked I at that yesterday. Five right. earned runs, and he's given up four home runs. I don't know exactly if every run's been a home run, but seems, a- seems Abbott is a, and anybody who keeps beating me up on these glasses, I borrowed them from one of my buddies uh, out here at Headlines. Oh, well, I left we mine were, at home. <laughs> well, they look good on you. Well, I, they, I'm being told I look like Jeffrey Dahmer. That doesn't sound so good. Oh, Tom, I get you're that not, comment, too. You're not the first Chatterbox employee that's been compared to Jeffrey Dahmer. I grew yeah. a mustache out in the fall, and everyone kept calling me Jeffrey Dahmer, which out of, out of the names that you could be called in the history of men and women? It's not a good one. That's like bottom three of who you want to be compared yeah, to. Eddie Dean is right there with him. The day I proposed, I was called Jeffrey Dahmer because I even had the outfit on. I had like the, the – Oh, the, my God. The jeans and the, the, the buffalo striped, whatever, the, the, the 
Casey's getting speeding tickets. He's being compared to Jeffrey Dahmer. What happened to our tax evasion? Casey? Tax <laughs> evasion, right? They got Al Capone on that, Tom. They did. That's how they got him. That's going to get Casey next. That's how they got him. Uh, Evan keeps going on and on and on and on about Brandon Williamson. Nobody is beating down. I, I'm with you, Evan. I think Williamson has a chance. I, again, we're talking about the eyeball test. I look at some of the stuff that Williamson features. There's a lot to like about him. There is a lot to like about Williamson. The question is, can he develop? And, and I know as soon as I say that, uh, David jumps in and says, Williamson is developing at the major league level. I agree with you. I agree with you. Evan, all of you, I have nothing against Williamson and what his future looks like. But look. I'm not going to be one of these guys with rose red colored glasses. All I care about at the end of the day, and all you should care about at the end of the day, is what does he do today? What did he do today? Whether it's, you know, because of injuries had to come up, and Green and Lodolo and then Ashcraft getting hurt and, and not pitching well. Okay, look, I don't want to hear about him developing at the major league level. He is getting paid to be a major league pitcher on a contending team. I don't care how young he is. I don't care what kind of experience he has. None of that means anything to me today. I just want to know, does Williamson or any of the rest of them for any team in baseball, just not the Reds? Is he getting the job done that he's paid to get done? Period. What do you do on the field, Tom? I mean, come on. I don't want to hear about it. And I, and I agree. When I look at Williamson's stuff, I think he has the stuff to be a really good major league pitcher. I really do. I like his stuff quite a bit. But look, you got to go out. You got to go out and get it done right now. Right? He's, yeah, his yeah. last two starts have been marred by rain. I mean, That's two right. long delays. So That's right. You know, a lot of stats, I take what you will. But I, I like to think he's done well. He's gotten better almost every outing he's gone out there. So I, I like what I've seen from him. Fair enough. That's fair enough. And, and, and there's something to be said for that. I mean, at least he's out there. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. Right. He's, he's exactly. best, best ability is availability, Tom. There's no doubt about it. At least he's out there. Um, okay. We have, uh, we've talked a lot about the Reds. They've got the big series starting tonight. Any thoughts on the weekend uh, pitching matchups? I mentioned tonight uh, Abbott against Burns. Colin Ray, you heard from Bill Schroeder, been around a long time, kind of mm -hmm. a journeyman guy. He's against Luke Weaver, and we know the issues that he has had as a starter with his team. And then on Sunday, it looks like Ben Liley's coming back. That's right? what everything's pointing to. Yeah, right. I haven't heard anything one way or the other, but I don't see how you send down Brett Kennedy if Lively's not ready to pitch on Sunday. Right. Who's, who's scheduled to start for the Brewers on Sunday? That, they are also TBD. I, 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 it's going to be Julio Tehran. He's, 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 talk about a bounce-back year. Remember when he came up, Tom? Oh, I remember A decade well. ago was highly touted prospect. Yep. And really never turned into that, but has – Sneakily turned in a pretty pretty nice career. I mean, if you're in the big leagues for a decade, that's a big that's a big league. 
Big he's, time had, he's had a good career. He's that had a good career. The, the one game of the last Brewers series the Reds won, he was on the mound. So if he pitches Sunday, maybe that's good for the Reds. No doubt about it. No doubt. It's going to be – listen, enjoy all 27 innings this weekend because this is, this is what you're a fan for. That's right. This is exactly – you know, you, if, you, if you break down the, the logic behind being a sports fan, it, it often doesn't add up to making a whole lot of sense at times. Mm, yep. It, it, it's a well, pretty non- the beauty of being a fan. Fan is short for fanatic. Right. It's a nonsensical world that we live. We're, we're, we're heavily following – People getting paid millions of dollars, hit a ball, throw a ball, and, and do all these things. It's, it's a nonsensical world, but this is what you're a fan for. This entertainment of the next three days, the Brewers, yep. the Reds, for the division, here leading into the All-Star break, come out of the All-Star break, got three more at home. This is what you're a fan for. There's no doubt about Can't it. Can't ask for any more. And, and, there, and nobody in their right mind, even the most ardent fanatic, would have realistically expected the Reds, here we sit on July the 7th, to be playing in this kind of meaningful series this year. Right? No doubt about it, I mean, we were just hoping they could hang on until the Bengals got to minicamp for something to talk about. And and then this conversation is taking up almost all of our conversation for two hours each and every day because they are playing that well and they've been that exciting to watch. There was, there was a member of the Chatterbox Media that said before the season that you should set your Reds' expectations and, e- and go even lower. Now, that guy has been long gone on, on Chatterbox Network, but whoever that guy is is an idiot because the Reds have exceeded every expectation by a country mile. Their uh, win total on fan graphs to start the year had them at 64.5. Yep. They might get that by the middle of August. Unbelievable. We mentioned they didn't win their 49th game last year until they had nearly 80 losses. I think it was 77 losses, if I'm not mistaken. The week I started here, we agreed to move the goalposts to being a handful of games back at the All-Star break. That was our determining factor we set. That was in mid-late mid, May. Right. We said a handful of games at the All-Star break, and I think we all kind of expect to be leading the division. How crazy is that? <laughs> It's unbelievable. It really is. It doesn't, and, it, and you want to, what the Reds have done, it doesn't even like make a whole lot of sense. I mean, giving up six runs a game, come back every time. Yep. Extra yeah, innings and, win. And, and that can't last. Best comeback team in the National League Central. I understand, but I mean, it, it, that ain't going to last. It ain't going to last where you got to score. Now, the, the National Series was a little bit different. Their pitching was a little bit better. They held the Nationals down from a run total, so you can win a game by scoring five instead of scoring eight or seven right. or 11 or whatever it might be. Um, and, I, and look, I continue to say it over and over and over again. Um, they have got to do something with the starting pitching. Now, you know, it's, it's an interesting um, talking point. Bill Schroeder just talked about it. If Brandon Woodruff comes back for the Brewers, then that's like making a trade, right, at the end of July and a a very impactful player uh, adding to your team as you go into the stretch run. So there's a possibility that Hunter Green and a possibility that Nick Lodolo could be that for the Reds, where they're like picking up two potential really good pitchers, potential, 
really good pitchers mm -hmm. uh, at the trade deadline. We'll so see. maybe that's what they're counting on. Maybe that is what, uh, along with not wanting to trade a bunch of prospects and getting into that whole debate, um, is, is they're looking at this like, okay, uh, we got to hang on. And, and look, when you look at this schedule, and I was looking it up earlier, okay, you talk about the next three weeks and who the Reds are playing. You got the Brewers on the road starting tonight for three. All-star break. Brewers come here for three after the break. A solid, not great, but a solid San Francisco Giants team comes in for a four-game set. A solid, not great, a solid Arizona Diamondbacks team comes in for three games. Then guess where you go again? Milwaukee for another three. They play the Brewers nine times in their next 20 games. Nine. Then after the Brewers, you go to the Dodgers. A three-game series in L.A. You travel from there to Chicago. I mean, the Cubbies, you know, a lot of this. But, man, when they're this, they're pretty good. Only team in the National League Central with a plus run differential, Tom. Okay. So you go to the Cubbies, and that is a four-game series before you hit August the 4th, and now you're playing the Nationals. God, are they awful. But behind them, the Marlins. So these next three and a half weeks, or let's say three weeks, before you hit yeah, three and a half, before you hit the trade deadline. I'm sure that Nick Crawl is on the horn every day with all the staff out in Arizona, because that's where Lodolo and Green are, trying to find out where are we? How are they doing? What are you seeing? When can we send them on rehab? Because both have missed so much time now. You are at a point where even if you send them on rehab, you're going to have Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo pitch two innings the first game. You're going to have them pitch three innings the next game. And really, it's all pitch count. Okay, but let's just assume doing the numbers. Five days later, maybe you get them to four innings, five innings, maybe. So now you've chewed up, right? Just for three starts alone, you've chewed up 15 days to get them to maybe five innings. Once you get them to five, Maybe you feel like, you know what, time to get them up here. But at the very earliest, um, you know, and, 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 and guys, this is the interesting thing about, about this whole um, Hunter Green and Lodolo thing is that um, their timetable does not necessarily match up with where you want to be as far as making a trade is concerned. Because there's a deadline for the trade. Mm -hmm. Right. Even if those two guys went out tomorrow, which they're not, if they went out tomorrow on a rehab, you'll be lucky to get three starts out of them between now and the time you hit the deadline. No doubt. So what are you going to do? There's a lot of question marks on what the Reds can do. That it's it's I you know when it comes when it comes to the Reds and their starting rotation, 
I was sitting up here two weeks ago talking about how I think they should. I, I was. They need some help starting pitching wise, but I don't want them to. You, you don't want to mortgage the future. You don't want to get rid of any prospects. That's still the mo. But back then, I was like, go get these forty-year-old guys that can eat up innings. The Rich Hills of the world. The Patrick Corbins. The, Alec Mills worked great. Uh, Alec Mills. And now I just realized, <laughs> and it was honestly, it was Alec Mills coming up and pitching for the Reds that it was. What is a forty? What are the? What are these guys that you know had careers a decade ago gonna do that a Ben Lively can't? Right. I mean, you've already got these young guys. At least they have major upside, or not? Not even major upside. Just have some upside to where they're gonna do the exact same thing that a that a forty-year-old <laughs> Rich Hill would do. My my biggest worry right now, the closer and closer we get to the deadline, is less and less teams seem like they're gonna be eager to sell. And we talk about going and, you know, trading prospects for a Shane Bieber or trading prospects for another premier pitcher with team control and stuff like that. I don't want to do any of that, but something that might be even worse is overpaying on middle prospects for like a Michael Lorenzen or a Lance Lynn. Like, just because they're the best pitcher available does not mean we have to go get them. We are better off long term just sitting still. I mean, Bill Schroeder said it in that interview. Do you want to just make the playoffs or do you want to compete for a World Series? Trading for a five, six inning, inning eater guy with a six ERA right. and trading away two top 30 prospects, that's not worth it. Now, if you can trade a, maybe a Nick Senzel or a Jake Fraley even, then you're talking a little different, you know, a little different about it. But to overpay for a, a middle of the road guy is just not what this team needs. You know, it was brought up in the chat, and I'm just, I'm flying through this very quickly, where, where it was brought up in the chat. That, uh, you know, when you get to the postseason, it's different anyway. You know, guys are going four innings and getting out. I'm just flying through uh, the box scores of last year's World Series. Outside of one game that was a blowout game, a 7 nothing game, every single one of these guys that started, except for Noah Syndergaard, who started one of the games for the Phillies, every single one of these games had starters going five or more innings. Every single one of them. If anybody believes, and it was brought up in the chat, if anybody believes that crappy starting pitching, because you only have to go four, or mediocre starting pitching in a good bullpen is going to win you the World Series, that is just absolute nonsense. Also, nonsense. Yeah. The, yeah, you don't have starters that, yeah. going in the LCS in the World Series that are going to win four innings. Ain't happening. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. And the pitchers that are going four innings, it's because you've shortened your rotation and have starters in the bullpen. We don't have that. We're, we're basically starting relievers right now. If you look up Luke Weaver on ESPN, it has saves, not his record. Like, he's not even a starting pitcher. So to ask these guys to go four innings and then go to our bullpen for, you know, however, we're going to extras every night. So six or seven innings out of this bullpen is just not something you can ask for them to do, especially in big moments like the playoffs. You know, David brings up, says, take a look at the MLB probable pitchers on a daily basis and see what teams uh, are throwing out there. I, I agree 100%. I, I was the one who said on this program yesterday that, in my opinion, we had Tracy Jones on. Um, here we are in a day and age where guys are bigger, stronger, throwing harder, Mm -hmm. than they have ever thrown in the history of the sport. I look around. There aren't a handful of great pitchers. There are not. Simply not. 
where a starter is handing the ball at the beginning of the game, and obviously you're not going to do it over 34 starts every time. But a starter is handing the ball at the beginning of the game, and the opposing team, they are basically done. And I saw it twice a week for five years. There are great pitchers, and then there are the Striders of the world, the Strowmans of the world, you know, the Urias of the world. I mean, look, I'm not saying there aren't good starting pitchers out there. There are not great starting pitchers out there. You hand the ball to Schilling. You hand the ball to John. And look, do me a favor, okay? If you don't believe me, go look up. Just go look up the 2001 or 2002 Arizona Diamondback season and click on Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson and look at their every single game log. Every single one of them, with the exception of maybe two or three over the course of the year, the line will read seven innings, three hits, one run, 12 punch outs. Eight innings, four hits, no runs. 14 punch-outs, 9 innings, 5 hits, 1 run, 12 strikeouts. Those are great starting pitchers. And it's why I get back to what I've said all along, boys and girls. We're at the point now where if the Reds don't get at least to the National League Championship Series, I think it's a disappointment. You think if the Reds don't get to the NLCS, and I'm not saying, that's a disappointment let me, let me, this year, Tom. Let me finish. Let me finish. Come on. No, 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 no. Hold on now. Here's what I said. I'm not making that statement at the beginning of the year. Nobody believed that. Nobody in their right mind, even the biggest fan, believed that. When I, again, look at the players on the field compared to the competition. Remember, I said this about the National League Central three weeks ago on this program. What has happened? The best team, the most talented team, is now in first place in the division. I said three weeks ago, you scared of the Brewers? Scared of the Cubs? You scared of the Cardinals? You scared of the Pirates? With the players you're running out there every day? Give me a break. Talent level Reds blow them all out of the gym. On the field, position players. They are a better talented team than any team in this division, and it's not even close. The Cubs position players can't play with the Reds. No, no. You're, Cardinals you're, you're players right. can't. You're Pir right. Pirates can't. The Brewers certainly can't. So, can you ask me, do I really feel that way? You're damn right. Because I say the same thing that if you're talking about once you get there and you're lining up talent with the Marlins, you're lining up talent with the Diamondbacks, do I think the Reds can beat anybody they play in the opening round of the playoffs? You're damn right. Atlanta is the only team I look at and I say, okay. And I even look at them and I'm like, that team's beatable too. Now, the Reds' position players are not the Braves. That's the one team in the National League that the Reds' talent right now is not better than the Braves' talent on the field position player-wise. And we know the Braves have better starting pitching than the Reds have. That we know. I'm, that's why I said LCS and not World Series. When I look at any other team that they could potentially play in the postseason, including the Dodgers, including the Dodgers, I think the Reds can play with any team 
and beat any team in the National League in a best of five or best of seven series. I truly believe that. I, I agree that we can. I think saying anything short of the NLCS is a disappointment is a little much right. for a group of guys that won't even have played 100 games together by the time we get there. Correct, Tom. You're, you're talking you're, – you're not wrong in the fact that the Reds have the second, if, second or third best lineup in the National League. Okay, well, if well, not the right, entire right. Major League. Okay, you're uh, not wrong about that. All right, they go, can ahead be anybody, go ahead and finish. They can be anybody on a game. But to put a team that was preseason picked to win 66 Again, games. Again, you're going back to the preseason thing. That's, that's like Casey talking about the Super Bowl. That is old, <laughs> tired news. Yes. The, 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 new, the new narrative is we're on July the 7th, and they have a two-game lead, 11 games over 500 on the season after starting 7-15. and 15. That is old news. I'm talking about as we sit here today, the players that were here that were not here when the season started, right? Yeah. The players we didn't know about that were here when the season started, case in point, Spencer Steer, okay? And now what he's become, what he's doing, Indy in a bounce back year, okay? Again, you know, everybody wants to scream and holler about, well, they're so young, it's their first year together. Well... It's their first year together, and they're young, and they're kicking everybody's ass they're playing right now. So why can you say you can say they're young as an excuse for them failing in the postseason, their youth, but at the same time jump on the bandwagon and say their youth and their talent, we're going to dismiss that for them, all those things being 11 games over 500. Tom, you're, you're, you're nailing every point right on the head. And the fact that the, the, the expectations, the goals have shifted germ, germ, dramatically because of how well this team has played over the past month, because of how well this team has played over the past two months. They're now 11 games, whatever, over 500. Their first Ten. 10 games Ten. over 500. They're two games ahead in the National League Central. But comparison is the thief of joy. Expectations can be the thief of joy. Yes, the whole no doubt about it. The whole point of being a fan is to have fun and be, be a fanatic and to have pride in your city. And to say that this team is, a, is having a disappointing season if they don't make the National League Championship Series is only opening up a can of worms for to be epically disappointed and to not take this season for what it is. An incredibly fun year that has blown the expectations out of the water. And you can shift the expectations to something new. That's fine. But don't let the new expectations rob you of the joy that has been this past month, the past two months that the Reds have created. Yes, the Reds should expect to make the postseason. They should expect to win the division. But we're talking about a team, Tom, that if a person was born, when Mark Lewis hit the pinch hit grand slam against yep. the Los Angeles Dodgers yep. in 1995, if a person was born on that day, they'd be 28 years old now. And they wouldn't have seen the Reds advance in the postseason one time. And now we're giving the expectations that they've got to advance in the postseason twice. Once, depending on how the season ends. Okay. Can, can that's, we, that's, just, that's just an unfair expectation. Well, I, th I think you're separating two different topics here. I agree with everything that you just said about the joy and, 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 and uh, enjoying everything that has happened so far.
but you are in the business of winning. That is the business that you are in. And if your company, or in this case, your team, has the most talent or as much talent as anybody you're going to play, and in this case, the Reds, and we're separating Atlanta, if you look at your business and your business's strengths, are they greater than the other businesses you're competing with? You should expect to beat them. Can I, can I have a suggestion? And, yeah, Casey. And, and not saying the, the NLCS, but at least winning a playoff series. Well, that would give I them think- the LCS. If they don't go, if they don't go to a one-game playoff, yeah, right. If they win a, a, a opening round, not every division winner gets to the divisional round. Right. right. No, only two. Only the top two seeds get to the divisional round. So they would be in a wild card. We would have to three. get above the NL West. Okay. Chain. Well, as it stands right now, then they would have to. You're right. Then they would be the three seed. As it so stands. they'd have Correct. to advance in two okay. series. Okay. 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 Now, right. now, if they make it, if they actually make it to a seed that's like a two or a one, heaven forbid then I think that's a reasonable expectation to have because it, not to make comparisons to the guys across the street from them, the Bengals, when they won the AFC North, the expectation was let's just win a playoff game first. And then when they won that, it was the floodgates just opened because we had the team, you know? Okay, but that, that, just, that's, that's where I so think Let me should. ask you this. When you say the expectation was let's at least win a playoff game, Whose expectation are you talking about? Are you talking about the fans? Do you think inside that Bengals locker room, when they started looking around two years ago after winning the division, and they got Jamar Chase running around, and T. Higgins running around, and a defense like they're playing, and they got Joe Burrow at quarterback, Mixon's a leading rusher in the AFC that year? I agree with you with what you're about to say. Yeah, by the way. do you think that was their expectation? No. They wanted Super Bowl. And that's where the Reds are right now. They're looking around, and they're saying, boys, now they're taking one step at a time. They haven't won the division yet, okay? But they're looking around at each other, and they're going, ooh, we got some dudes now. We got some dudes. We can play with anybody. All right, before we get but out that, of here, do we, go, th- go ahead, finish your Oh, the, the one point I would say to what you just said, Tom, is that, yes, the Cincinnati Reds should do that. They should look around the locker room and say, listen, we've got as good of a lineup as the Atlanta Braves. We've got as good of a lineup as the Los Angeles. That's what you want the team is. The difference is, Tom, we're not the Cincinnati Reds. We're the fans of the Cincinnati Reds, and we cheer them on. We. As. as we. To, to have fun is and that enjoy. that a French word for yes? <laughs> I was saying because I said we as a, as a Reds fan. But, uh, you know, don't let it rob the joy of the season, Tom. Don't let... I agree. Don't let it. I agree. I agree. Don't say it's a failure if they make the NLCS. I would say in that clubhouse, it would be a disappointment. That's all I'm saying. All right. Do we have chat rankings we got to sneak in? We do have chat rankings. All right, let's go. We've got a few things to to tie a bow around this show. All right, let's go. Um, Do we want to do a... Well, let's go ahead and do the cherry on top. Tom, you know, there's been a lot. Do you have that video? I do have it. <laughs> so, Tom, this is a fun. I have I'm... a sneaking suspicion I could guess this, and I don't know <laughs> what this is. 
No, you. No, I, you I guarantee you have no idea what this is. So I've talked quite a bit about how much I love this city and that sometimes it just disappoints me. This happened right outside my house yesterday. Oh, my God. We've got we got headband and neck tattoo doing uh, 15 rounds right oh. outside my house. So tough look for the old city of Hamilton. You know what, the city of Scotland. Now, listen, listen, listen. You, you, you got to put things into perspective. In this day and age in the environment that we live in, I actually am okay with that. They put on boxing gloves. There's no guns. There's no I, knives. Okay. There's no smashing some guy's head up against the asphalt or the curb. No doubt about right? it. Right? I mean, these guys are doing it the old-fashioned way. They're just if they fun. have a problem with each other, I don't know what the background is here. Mm -hmm. But look, put on a pair of boxing gloves and let's go. I'm just Tom, you ever, you ever boxed? You ever sparred? You ever did any like training, like like no, like had. as a workout or anything like that? No, no, you? No, no, God, no. no Tom. I'd like to though. <laughs> I'd like to. We used to have this thing at Ohio University. It was one of the coolest events every year. They called it Fight Night, and you could sign up. And it, I mean, they'd have it in the in the basketball arena. It was unbelievable. You'd have twelve thousand people there. Really? And you would go through a training of like twelve weeks if you signed up to do it. And we had a couple of guys in my fraternity. At some, I mean, these were some bad dudes now. I mean, these guys, even to this day, both of these guys could literally rip you in half. Um, one was a wrestler at Ohio University, and the other could have done anything he wanted to do at Ohio University. I mean, they were just, hmm. And the training they went through, it was unbelievable to watch. watch. Uh, man, the, those guys got after it. Okay. You broke the first rule of Fight Club, Tom. You talked about it. Okay, my bad. All right, go ahead. All right, chat power rankings, guys. Casey, go ahead and uh, yep. put it on over to me. It's been, a, it's been a short week, but we figured we'd go ahead and, and give it off. I actually offered chat power rankings to Casey. He punted and gave it to me. Um, but we'll have somebody else in charge of chat power rankings next week because I know this is the second straight week. So without it's a big further, deal. Without further ado, let's get into the honorable mention. Uh, White Sammy Sosa. Ohio Lakers 5-1-3, Everett Henry. Now, Everett Henry not being in the top five is a bit of an upset because I think I've had Everett Henry in my top five pretty much every week that I've, I've selected it. We still got the Ramley going, Everett. But I guess I'm just a little jealous because you get to travel the world, and I don't. Next time you, your, your wife and you go, go across seas, you got to take me with you, Everett. It's all about the Ramley. Okay. And also fried bologna because who doesn't like a good fried bologna That's sandwich, right. Tom? That's right. You better believe that. All right, let's take A little that cheese on it. A little cheese. Deep fry it. Um, also in the honorable mentions, we got Boom Shaklaka. David Brown, I thought, had a really good week. He hasn't been a long stay on the show, but I really like what he, he is. He has had a good week. He's, he comes in. He set, makes some very nice topical yes. points in the chat. Not quite breaking the, the top five. It's now a top seven because we keep expanding it. Um, Seth Pryor, as always, Big Blue Nation. Go UK. And Mr. Moe. Mr. Moe's a new one to the yep. chat, but I thought he had some Good to have Mr. Nice Moe. Um, he got on me about something today, but I'm gonna let it go. Go ahead. The next, the next portion of the chat is we we call it "You Matter the Most." Last week it was Jolly's Root Beer Stand because we love Jolly's. So, "You Matter the Most." Shout out to the Taylor Swift Experience that'll be here right at River's Edge. You can get your Pawnee water at the the, the oh concert series God. tomorrow. Kane and Wren, Taylor Swift Experience starting tomorrow. All right, is that her? That was her. Yeah, she's she's the. She uh, is going to be okay. putting on the best Taylor Swift experience. Okay. Last week, we put the Wagner group and the dishonorable mention 
because they they tried to do the coup. They didn't they didn't fully succeed on that one. So, in honor of the Wagner Group and their failed coup, the dishonorable mention this week is a. Uh, oh, hang on. Is uh, Elliot. <laughs> Elliot. So we got Elliot in the dishonorable mention. Oh my god. That's for taking a two day week. Well, we love Elliot. We do That's love That's for Elliot. not coming. Look at him. Look at that face. Who wouldn't love that? It's like Belushi in Animal House. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. At number seven, we've expanded it one further. Number seven in the chat power rankings, all the way from London, we've got Yash. Uh, the Big Ben there. Yash, thanks for the super chat earlier. He wakes up. I mean, he's in a five hour different time slot than us um and he still watches the show still watches chatterbox red still tunes in every single day to chatterbox content so shout out to yash Ash. also proud user of the discord he loves oh, yeah. he, he loves, loves very discord. active in the discord love having you guys there yes um a valiant member of jacob's favorite group evan marr trade india number six he's uh he's, why are we giving six and seven let's get to the top five well, I'm sorry, Tom, that we're going to have to go a little on. longer. We're going to have to go a little longer today. We'll get to, we, they wanted us to expand it, so we're expanding it. All right. All right. We're having fun. And Ronnie Smith said thank you for expanding. So we listened to the chat. Go ahead. All right. Number five. Surprise here, the player formerly known as Mouse Cow. Oh, my gosh. I wow. give it up to you, Reed. He blocked me on Twitter last week, Tom, <laughs> but he has unblocked me, and we have uh, buried the hatchet. We'll actually do a some symbolic burial of a hatchet sometimes. Who, who, who is that face? Who is uh, that? So if you don't know the name, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop, it is taken from Key and Peel, which was a Comedy Central show about a decade ago, and they have a skit. Um, and in the skit, it, there was a character okay, that's known a as dude. the player formerly okay. known as Mouse Cop. Okay. That's cool. his picture. Cool. All right. Okay. Number, f number four. He was not in the chat power rankings last week. He's been a little negative. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. This is a chance to critique as you guys critique us. But Sir Boy Wonder, where would we be at Chatterbox without the Sir Boy Wonders of the world? So, Sir Boy, you're in the top five. Shout out. Yes, indeed. Always with us. Always with us. Um, was number one last week. Number three this week, Ronnie Smith with another good week. The thing about Ronnie, Tom, is he keeps us, keeps us talking about sports. Yeah, but I don't like the fact, and I love Ronnie. But I don't like the fact that when we're trying to get some perspective over who, you know, the Reds or the Bearcats or Xavier, whoever it is, might be playing, like we did with Bill Schroeder today, mm -hmm. he's always jumping in going, more Cincinnati talk, Cincinnati talk, Cincinnati talk. <laughs> it's like, you know, there, there is something outside of Cincinnati, believe right. it or not. Right. It's called Hamilton. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, number two. I love Ronnie, though. He's a good man. Number two, met him this week at the 4th of July parade. He's a proud Hamiltonian. Alec, Alex Wallace. So he's always in the chat. He's always topical. I, he said no, he's going to the thing that, uh, tomorrow night. Yeah. The, I'm, I don't know if I'm going. I know I've been hyping it up. Some other plans have popped up. I'm still going to try and make it over to the Taylor Swift experience because it sounds like a whole lot of fun. So if I'm there, we'll share a pint together, Alex. All right. Few more. We got special, a couple special considerations. Brian B, who has taken off the number one Reed Mouse hater. So Brian B has been on my case ever since. I didn't show up after the Cubs got swept by the Reds back in May. He's been on my case ever since then. So Brian B, your special consideration. It's like also, a participation trophy. Yes. Also special consideration. Chad waits. The all you young guys. What it's turned into. Your generation started it when when no, they were they when you not. guys were raising us. No, yes, it, it Tom. Was, it was the group slightly younger than me. 
It's a group slightly younger than me. Okay. Go ahead. Chad Waits, we, we did the biggest read detractor. Now it's the biggest read fan. Chad Waits, thank you for the special consideration. Th thank you for always having my back. Extend read. I would love an extension. Um, and let's finally get to number one. And number one on the chat, he was undefeated in debates in the chat this week, Tom. He was he just had a fantastic week, just bodied everyone that even came close oh, to debating so him. It is none I'm other so sorry, than chat. myself. Oh my god. Just a oh great week god. all around by me, Reed Mouse. Me. So congratulations, you have Reed. Got to be kidding. <laughs> you had a great week, Reed. Congratulations. No one can toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I mean, any debate that, that was thrown your way just, just did a great job. Tom, thanks for indulging in the chat power rankings this week. Did you agree with who was number one? Oh, my God. I, I, I feel bad now. I should have never given up. This is your fault, Casey. This is my fault. This is fault. all your fault. I, I, will, I, I, I cannot say sorry enough to this chat for, for that, that list. That uh, Man. Mark Fetters says, congrats, Reed. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, put a bow on this show. We're only a handful of days removed from the 4th of July. 1776. Our constitution, a nation, was born. And it was founded on the premise of democracy. We watch it failing around us almost on a daily basis. And it has trickled down all the way to off the bench. Democracy is dying. What are you and I going to do about it? I look at the chat rankings. Democracy has died. Hopefully, it doesn't spread beyond the four walls here in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. So with that being said, Casey, Reed, Jacob, everybody have a great weekend. You too, Tom. Thank all of you for joining us. God bless you all. Ask yourself one question as we roll into the weekend. We won't see you till Monday. What are you going to do to fight the powers that be trying to destroy democracy as we just saw in our chat rankings? Ask yourself that question. <laughs> Good luck to the legs this weekend. Absolutely. Hey, hey, everybody have a great weekend. Be careful out there. And, um, Taylor Swift in Hamilton tomorrow. Go enjoy it. We'll see you next week.